listening to the bomb hole. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. Good going to slide down in big hills. You know what I mean? On a big, nice burgundy snowboard. Okay, we got a big day here at the Bomb Hole, which is presented by Pub Beer. Before we get into everything, though, the people want to know, Stony Buds, how are you doing? So good, my dog. <sighs> Sounds great. That one sounded great. To my left, we have... The one and only Peter Line in the booth. Peter, how are we doing? Uh, we're doing pretty good over here, I think. Well, I'll tell you, we're really happy. I know our listeners are happy that you're in here. And for any uh, listeners that don't know who you are, which is probably 0% of them, uh, Peter Line is one of the greatest snowboarders of all time. As a fact, dominated contest, iconic video parts, Huge part of the innovation and progression of our sport. One of our first rock stars in our sport. Uh, designer. It, it's that The list of accolades is endless. We got a lot of stuff to cover today. It's going to be a really fun podcast. But let's start at the beginning of where you grew up and, and how you found snowboarding. The beginning. All the way back to the beginning. So um, I grew up outside of Seattle, um, Bellevue. And... It all kind of started from skateboarding. Well, I guess I can go back to it started with heavy metal. Because in order to get into skateboarding and snowboarding, you kind of have, at that time, you kind of have to have kind of a little bit of a deviation from the straight and narrow um, road of what the kids are doing. And so I got into skate, or skateboarding when I was 12, snowboarding 13. Um, and that was, those are kind of two sports at the time that no one was doing not many people even ever heard of snowboarding. Uh, skateboarding was just kind of like the punk rock ki- skate kids and, and all that. So my friends, how I got it kind of influenced my friends um, from California were skateboarding um, who moved up here. And we all kind of became a little skate gang. And kind of Some of us started learning right then um, and just kind of dove right into skateboarding hard and deep and just got all the magazines, watched all the skate videos had a jump ramp outside, eventually built, built like a little mini ramp in my backyard, went to friends' houses, went to Rankwood's vert ramp that he had in the woods, um, just fell in love with skateboarding, and that was kind of my whole kind of life. And, I mean, one of the things with skateboarding, too, I had a whole kind of creative background around it. It was a whole culture. Um, and then you bring in those skate graphics and the branding and everything. It's just kind of a fun thing to watch to kind of – the more kind of tough guys out there or whatever. When you're a little kid, you kind of see that and like, oh, that's scary, but it's intriguing. Um, and from, I mean, from that, I mean, we I saw snowboard, um, snowboard shots in Thrasher magazine, especially kind of when I really remember of um, Selaznik doing a tuck knee um, with a camper board. This is probably a little bit later, but... I just kind of remember this awesome shot, and that's why I bought a camper board um, that year because it's a Selassnik shot. But you just kind of see it, and all our friends are like, let's start snowboarding because we skied for a couple of years before that. Um, and then even our, our school kind of had a ski bus that had a little bit of snowboard lessons, um, little snowboard school up there with like six of us from other schools and everything. We all kind of all basically learning the same year. Um, 
where did the question start from again? <laughs> well, it's just kind of how you found snowboarding. I think, and that, that kind of maybe leads me to like what what hill. I'm curious about what hill you rode and and how it shaped your riding. So in Seattle, like the local closest hill was uh, Ski Acres of Snoqualmie Pass, which is about 45 minutes um, from where I lived, just up the 90, just. 60 70 miles an hour the whole way up and then you're there and it's it's kind of a small area compact but had like really steep run to alpental and they kind of catered to snowboarding in the early days a little bit they'd try to make some half pipes and stuff like that had contests all the time and so there's kind of a fun little group up there of of kids and that was when like snowboarding you'd be best friends with the only other guy on the hill because he's the only other guy snowboarding. And so you'd see some guy snowboarding. He's like, oh, catch up. He's like, how's it going? He's like, oh, man, doing that toe side turns is tough or whatever, you know, and you kind of start learning together. And all of a sudden, like, he's one of your new buddies. It goes to high school miles away type of a thing. And so it's just kind of the early days of snowboarding, everyone kind of figuring out themselves and learning and, and having emulating what they see in the videos and the magazines. Now I've heard that your, uh, you know, your mom was a uh, art teacher. I, I'm curious as to if that kind of helped you harbor your creativity. I don't know if harbor is even a word, but uh, foster maybe foster, foster your creativity. I think, I think harbor yeah. is a word too. I think harbor is about as much of a word as foster is. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Both were, but the words, but yeah. they're both words. Yeah, we'll count them as words. <laughs> a few meanings probably. Last names. So what were you saying again? I got distracted by your Harbor Foster <laughs> conversation. Yeah, no, just uh, I wanted to, you know, you're oh, extremely creative my mom, my person. Mom. Yes, mom yeah. so being I, an artist. I think, yeah, I think my mom being an artist just kind of put it in my head that you can do crazy stuff that's in your head and it's okay. Like it doesn't have to be analytical math and has there's only one answer to the equation. It's whatever you kind of come up with and then kind of through that, and watching through her, like, people like that stuff. There's something there that others appreciate as well. And so I think that just kind of more than just art on its kind of paintings and whatnot, just kind of the whole thought of it goes out into snowboarding, skateboarding, design, all that stuff that I have a lot of interest in um, that you can come up with random shit and people like it. And it's fun to do, and it, it kind of changes things. Like skateboarding and snowboarding kind of changed a lot of pop culture and everything, and it's pretty exciting to be a, kind of a part of that, even if it's a small part. Yeah, I wonder what snowboarding would look like if skateboarding didn't pave the way. It would be a total different scenario. It's so crazy to think about how much it influenced all of us, you know? Yeah, it's – I mean, what kind of shape snowboarding – I mean – so skateboarding is just kind of the alternative kind of sport to where, like, you didn't really want to do football, you're too short for basketball, baseball is too boring, or whatever it is. Um, but there is something out there for kind of a little more of those type of folks who still kind of have an athletic ability but didn't really kind of feel like they fit in with the team sport type stuff. And so with me especially, like, I was always kind of – solo dude um sat in my room drew when i was a little kid and through high school and stuff like that not necessarily a loner at friends but i just kind of preferred just doing shit by myself and so even with snowboarding i just go up by myself meet up with friends up there or just kind of take laps by my lonesome just kind of going through the woods and kind of finding weird shit and like 
down there. Like, oh, okay, I could probably get from here to there type of stuff. And like just kind of not having any other people influencing where I was going with it. And then when you start kind of showing friends, like, oh, I got this new line over here. And like do something off of it. Like, what? Like, how'd you even notice that? Like, it's like, oh, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, you learned how to, you know, ride early days. How did you get noticed? Uh, well, I first got noticed um, for, well, okay, let's go back on this one. Um, I was in a contest, like the kind of little amateur contest, and there wasn't a whole lot of kind of competitors there. Um, and so I do fairly well at the contest. People kind of expect me to kind of do do well in the contest, kind of get noticed that way. But just being amateur, that didn't really kind of go anywhere. Um or didn't really have any more to go because all I wanted to do was just be in the kind of the videos. Uh, so I think the kind of the first kind of big introduction to that was uh, I went down to Wendell's camp as a camper um, with my buddy John Bowen, and we um, just rode the pipe there and were able to stay after because my buddy John had a car there. And so we stayed up after the, the campers went down, just kind of did ride in the pipe afterwards. And a lot of photo shoots kind of went down afterwards. And Gucci showed up, um, and Patron, Denavar, and Camille Pachette showed up one day. And we were just kind of hitting the pipe. And I was doing some backside fives and backside sevens in the pipe. Granted, they're barely above lip and stuff, but I was still like a young kid. And Kurt Honey was filming and filmed me. Um, and those guys' shots made in a hard to hung the homeless. Mine made it into Kurt Heine's first little tiny movie, but that was also an introduction to Kurt Heine, who also had um, the connections with Mac Dog. And so the following year, Kurt hit me up, came up to Malpintal, filmed me, filmed me a few times there, um, and then a few times at Mount Hood, and then I had a small part in Upping the Annie. And then from there, um, friend Terry Parker, um, hit up Greg DeLeo, who's starting Division 23, and basically, from all I've heard, is like, told him, like, you have to get this kid, or you're going to be making a huge mistake. Um, and then from there, just kind of blew up, I guess. Uh, Video Magazine came out a little bit after, and that was, like, kind of my big, big introduction. Um, but yeah, it's kind of going back to the whole Jamie thing, Jamie Lynn, we just emulated Jamie Lynn and just thought he was like one of the best amateurs in our hill. And to emulate what actually turned out to be one of the best snowboarders in the world, like we were already kind of caught up to the pro level without even really knowing it. So when I kind of stepped into starting the film with Mac Dog, like I was already kind of at a pro level, I guess, um, in my abilities of riding. So it wasn't really too much of a catch-up type of a thing. I just kind of stepped right in and was kind of one of the bigger pros at the time, or just new fresh-faced pros with new new types of tricks and stuff. So Jamie Lynn was the dude at your mountain, same mountain. He, I mean, he was more of a Baker kid and probably Crystal kid from Auburn, but he had come around to some of the Northwest series. He didn't, didn't really compete in them at all, but he would just kind of show up because the best thing about those contests weren't about the, con the contest. It was about riding afterwards. And so as soon as the contest was done, it was just the big session, just hit, mostly hitting the first two hits on these crappy half pipes. And that just 
was the most amazing thing for me just to just like start hucking and everyone's just like running on so much energy just watching everybody else go bigger and bigger that everyone just was there and that was basically all about because I didn't really care about the contest so much and I was so inconsistent with my riding um I had some cool weird hard different tricks but I couldn't land them all the time and, and didn't really have all the tricks down but so I just was always about the one hitter type stuff that was I don't know it's the best times I believe Dude, that's so cool to think about. One, you're at a hard and the hungry session that actually, I mean, you didn't know it, but you're at like the highest level of snowboarding right there. So being that you were at a hard and the hungry and the homeless session, what was the actual movie that inspired you before? Because that was before, that was the movie that got me going. Well, what for, was the movie that inspired your snowboarding? Cause oh, you said for, for me, there, there the wasn't movies. really any movies at that time. No, like, there wasn't. I, I started in 87, and so there was like the Sims video, um, I forget even with the snow shredders or something. I don't know if Burton Chill was out yet. Maybe. Chill had just come out, I think, and so like that was like whoa. That's like almost like yeah. the Burton Chill team, Brushy and rip, Duck rip, Boy, rip, Craig, uh, Jacoby was like kind of like the pal yeah. snowboarding thing, um, the Bones Brigade, and so kind of look at it the same way they kind of looked at kind of Tony Hawk and Guerrero and Lance Mountain and Cab and all that stuff in the in the skateboarding days. This is kind of the new thing. It's like and you see like. The hand plants you see the kind of more, more technical freestyle riding than just kind of the pal slashes you'd see in some of the older videos and so just from there just be every video after that and obviously video is more like mac dogs with a little more skate influence and just progression 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 is what i'd seek and so you'd have some of the standard stuff where i have some of that in there but then i'd have like big mountain stuff where i'm just like fast forward <laughs> Okay. This is cool, but now it's freestyle section. <laughs> yeah. Like all, yeah. I never, I mean, Same. watch it once, Same. but it's, if it's just like some guy is jumping yeah, you watch off cliffs like time. this, yeah, and not really getting off freestyle, but then like obviously that progressed to like being freestyle in the backcountry and all that stuff. But yeah, every every video and every kind of progression. So like Western Front, I think was a fall line, I believe, mm-hmm. and that had Roach and Slaznik. And like a lot of just like a lot of random weird shots, and just like kind of just kind of find every video, everything. Like, oh, there's a there's a contest that Palmer does sweet ass method in. Like, oh, there's the video of it. Like, oh man, that's so sick, you know. <laughs> so cool. Uh, talking about all this stuff, he paints a good picture of it too. Hundred percent. Yeah, in this era, I think it's important to realize the rapid progression that is a part of your success. Just pioneering tricks and and the landscape of what it looked like and what you brought to it. Because I was watching tons and tons of old videos of you, and and it seemed like you were, you know, in the forefront of spinning off your heels. Everybody was a jalapeno toe popper back then. <laughs> and then, you know, like the, you know, the we can start with, there's a lot of these. We're going to get into a bunch of trick nerd stuff, but like the spinning off the heels and the cork spins, I kind of want to start with. You're a pioneer of those, both of those things, correct? I, I, I believe so. Um, yeah, the heel one, like, cause we, everyone just would watch Jamie do the cab nines. I think Jamie was one of the early ones, Terrier, Holopoff, or kind of at that time, like the only ones kind of doing cab nines and my front side spins weren't my strongest trick, um, because of the going off the toes. And so when I started trying to do nines off my toes, I just getting kind of whirly bird styled where it's like popping and, and couldn't really control shit at all. And like this is, and then would eat shit and get hurt or whatever. And like I, so I, 
I don't know how it kind of came about with going off the heels. I think it's just probably just going cross cut style tricks. So for me, Goofy hitting like a let's just put an example of a mogul. Um, so going across the hill, heel edge, and kind of spinning alley oop front side off the heels is just kind of where it kind of evolved from there to going off straight jumps. You can kind of just control it a lot easier um, than going off my toes for me. And then what about the cork spins? Uh, so the kind of backside corkscrew thing, um, that one I remember the first trip down to Salt Lake, or not Salt Lake, to uh, Tahoe, meet up with Dogger. Um, just watching videos, and there's like a shot, I think, of Brushy, and it was shot from underneath of him doing a backside seven. But under, from that shot, it looked like he kind of ducked under a little bit, like a quirk, and it just kind of would just rewind, 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 rewind. And there's another shot, I think, Kurt Wastel kind of doing a back seven where he kind of just throws it and kind of gets a little bit sideways a little bit and like kind of looking at those two type of things and then hiked up behind dogger's house a super small little jump just just kind of in the powder just kind of chuck some things just kind of get the feeling a little bit um and then i think i learned at boreal the next day um off of like little cross-cut tables or something like that i've read kind of some of the details within there but as soon as i kind of learned a backside five cork i learned it switch backside five and then backside seven, and then switch backside seven. So cool. Now going back on the on the narrative of trick nerd stuff, we gotta talk backside rodeo. Uh, inventor of the backside rodeo, I believe. Simple simple pleasures. I could be wrong about that. Don't ask me that one. <laughs> <laughs> and if uh, yeah, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But uh, let's let's talk about that. That that too was kind of. Um, same sort of evolution where see Daniel, um, I think his meltdown when we first started doing the front side rodeos, um, super off the toes to where like, okay, that's a spin that kind of goes upside down. He's doing it front side, but there's obviously the, the converse version of that, of doing it backside. So you go front side rodeo, kind of go up, pop, and then come around to where corkscrew, you kind of go under a little bit backside but backside rodeo go off the heels and go up and over so it's just kind of like retooling the front side rodeo into spinning backside and so yeah that in simple pleasures if that's what it is um was the first one i actually did off of the jump the five because i'm out head and then same sort of thing learned that one seven never really got that one switched though and there's been, there was a, I've heard some debates too, because Turier, uh-huh. he kind of did like wildcat back 180, which I, I don't know if I, I wouldn't count it as a back rodeo. That seems a lot different, right? Yeah. And yeah, have you ever, have you ever got any debates about the, the back oh, yeah. rodeo? I mean, there's always the debates on all of it. And yeah. Whatever. I mean, I'm, I don't need to claim it or anything like that. Um, yeah, Terrier's was backflip backside 180. Um, you can tell he goes straight up over. And then grabs. I looked at thousand garden, I think, or yep, uh, one of those yeah, ones. Good, good um, memory for that stuff. Well, the, the older ones, the older videos, I can yeah, because you more. watched them so many times. Newer so. ones, I haven't. You know, when I, my career started. When my career started, I didn't really watch as many or as, as 
um, religious as you were out ones. doing it, yeah. But yeah, like to where like the difference between backside rodeo and a backflip one eighty. Um, it's pretty heavy. There's, I mean, it's a little bit more angle. It's more spin. You can kind of tell to where like backflip one eighty, and you just do double backflip and then one eighty to where a double cork backside rodeo looks completely different than that. So you kind of see where the, they kind of different. I have an interesting Patreon question from Stuck in Ohio. Because you're known for your unconventional off-access spins. Was there anything in your childhood, some activities you did, that helped you get such unique air awareness that other people didn't have? Great question. Yeah, it's a good question. That's a good question. question. I just found that in there kind of unmarked. I was always, as a kid, kind of a little, little athletic, um, gymnastics-type stuff, like run, or just run in the yard and do handsprings and stuff like that. It's, um, but then got trampoline in my younger days too, which was probably a huge influence on being kind of the air awareness type there. And so, yeah, for all the tricks too, I'd go on the trampoline kind of had the skateboard that had straps. Um, cause you can't use a snowboard on a trampoline. It's too heavy and bulky. Just feel dorky. But like a skateboard with just little ropes on it, it feels more like a snowboard. Um, so I'd, have that strapped to me and jump around and kind of do a different tricks, different grabs, different tweaks and all that stuff to kind of learn that type of feel. And so it worked pretty well. I do something on that and you kind of go the next day to the hill and like grab like front side three stale fish or something like that. Like, okay, like in the air, once you're in the air, it kind of feels pretty similar. There's we, we were outside talking earlier. Imagine if this guy had Woodward when he was a kid. Oh yeah. The progression he well, would have seen. That's a, that's <laughs> all. That's also another interesting thing talking about that because when you, I was watching all these old clips, right? And you watch yourself on a park jump, uh, let's say a big air contest, and you do a cab nine. And you look at this jump, and it is a piece of dog shit. Like, it's like, the, the, there's no good trajectory. The landing's flat. And, and it's, it's interesting because, like, the modern, the cab nine on the jump that you were hitting at the time is it, the tricks that people are doing today aren't physically possible on these jumps because no. the jumps have gotten so much better. So that's another thing to, to, to put yourself in too. that time frame. Yeah, there's definitely the progression um, outside of just snowboarding and tricks, but the progression of parks and especially Woodward, like that was something I would dreamed of had as a little kid. And just even just to have parks as a little kid might have kind of completely kind of changed the way of my riding as well, like maybe even for the worse. Like it could have just been too easy to go hit a park all day long and just do the, the tricks that you can do off of a straight kicker, straight tabletop type jump, you know, uh, opposed to like looking at the mountain in different weird ways and trying to figure out tricks with these off axis transitions and trying to make this gap over here type of a thing. And, but the parks are amazing. Like they're, and they're, they're looking at it too. Like they're, it's not just the tabletops anymore. They're getting a little more creative, which is awesome. And, I got a lot of cool, fun ideas for parks ideas if I could still ride as good as I used to. <laughs> it's really cool watching those old videos, though. It's almost it's almost a blessing that they didn't have those because if you look at the way progression was formed, you guys are hitting highway hits. And instead of now, it's just one more rotation. It's one bigger, better. And, and for you guys, it was like there was like early back 180s. And then like watching all your old parts, it's like, Back 180 methods, you know, like that. You had so many good back 180 methods in those parts and switch switch methods and, you know, switch backside threes. And so it seemed like the evolution was just perfect in just taking those like, you know, slow smaller rotations in the early days because they did obviously get bigger 
and just like it seemed like your tweaks and everything were just on point. Well, I, I think it's it's a good thing that we progressed slightly slow um, to because I think that's what kind of kept the style in snowboarding. You had to perfect those smaller spin tricks in order for the bigger ones to look good. Otherwise, it'd be like freestyle skiing where it's just like this in order just to do the most spins. So the kids out there doing the twenty whatevers still looks good. There's some bad ones, of course, but, like, I think the way snowboarding is now, like, we know, like, that looks bad, this looks good, and that came from, I believe, just this, the small, slow progression of stylizing the backside 7 and cab 9s up to, you know, 1080s and all that stuff, still making it all look good through the progression. And yeah, just going back to the dog shit jumps, like, you're, I mean, you're right, there's, and a lot of kids got hurt, like, they got fucking broke off, like, the big jumps were, like, a kicker over here and a landing over here and in the middle is just flat and an uphill right here so if you didn't make the landing you're you're hitting right into that gap and then there's this kind of bomb drop things where he's like take off his flat takeoff like the air and style contests and then you know, pure ice is just a flat takeoff and so you just huck in order to get anything over a seven off of those things and even those two were kind of sketchy if you didn't quite make the landing um, so yeah, I mean, the progression of parks and everything are safer as well, too. It's kind of cool. The gear got better, too. The gear wasn't the, quite ready and for the all those tricks. And the boards were yeah. your shit, too. <laughs> the yeah. bindings. Yep. You used to always break boards. I haven't broken a board in years. Decades. So Decades. Going back to trick nerd stuff, I'm sorry, I'm going to stay on this because it's, it's interesting it's a good to topic. me. But, you know, especially the early stuff, you were kind of a pioneer of switch riding and, and switch backside, I feel like. Please elaborate that, on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not a question. I just, I'm, I'm just teeing you up, letting you tee up an elaboration. Yeah, yeah I think that that, that comes from um, the kids I was riding with in kind of high school. Friend Brett Altmeyer, John Bowen, um, those I'm sure I'm missing some guys. I'm sorry. Um, that they kind of had the same sort of vision of who was the cool pro at the time, and like we had rank with that lived in our neighborhood of sorts. I like lived up the up the block a little bit um and he was all in the riding switch and so we'd see him every once in a while like oh man he just hit a, did a board slide on a, a curb like a snow curb is before they even had rails in the park I'm like what what's that and then do the cab like fakey to fakey 360s and 20 tricks um and then chris roach was grass or reverts and like wow that, just like that's the stuff we wanted to follow and a lot of that was going switch and then just to be like once you learn learn backside three or frontside three, you got to do it switch. And so it was just kind of thing. You got to do everything switch after you learn it because that's progression. Everyone's going to be riding backwards or switch, you know, and kind of true. All right, let's talk. Uh, well, let's talk method for a second here. Method. You got a great method. Uh, it's Thank a, you. You have, you have a couple different versions of it too, I've noticed. like Accidental. Some of them are like they're all they're all going for a Jamie style method with a little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of Ingemar in there, but there's a lot of mess ups and sometimes they they they're all over the place, so it's not intentional. What's your ideal perfect method? Well, for my POV, just above the binding, just so you can have more reach and just kind of sprawl it all out. Though sometimes those don't look the best when I look at the shot, it's like, oh, my nose is way up in the air. It looks kind of like a rocket air or something like that. 
So sometimes the ones that feel the best, when you actually go look at in the editing room, it's like, I thought that one looked better. I should have felt so good. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes you can, you can feel it. You kind of pull it in, like, like walk, walk, like the little Jamie guys. You kind of see his leg go, tink, and like, oh, that was it, completed. Completed. Back around, land, stick it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like everyone says, it's always the Jamie method, which was influenced from motocross, the cross up, or other term, I don't know. Whip. Chris would know the cross up, yeah, or the Whip. the maneuver. So that's and, it's and it's motocross. Those things are awesome these days. Like, a, like just complete 180. Yeah, the I mean, full whips. And it's still a method. Crazy. He just did a method on a fucking motocross. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they've had been in this booth, and they say that. It's like, it's the method of... Yeah. Going back, wa- watching all these parts, it's funny, because when I was a kid, I remember, like, the cab nines and the coffin slides and the stuff that stuck out to me that I liked in the back rodeos. But as I go and revisit it, it's like the switch method that, like, totally I missed when I was a kid. It's funny watching your parts, because... What was the the logic behind doing the simpler, like sprinkling in the little flavor countries there? Well, with the switch stuff, it was always just no one was doing it. Um, so even I, I had a little s- small part in the garden um, that Travis Wood filmed. Travis uh, Wood filmed your part that, in the garden. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just up there at, uh, coaching at USSTC. Um, Anyway, um, but yeah, that, I think that entire garden part was all switch except for maybe a couple of shots, and it's still here today. Like people, oh, I didn't even realize that. And so a lot of that stuff definitely got missed um, as being switch. And I just thought for me, it's just like okay, that's just another trick. I mean, I li- I kind of liked doing just the one the tricks that felt good, like the method. Like that, that's why there's so many methods in backside one eighties in my part. Because they just felt really good and they're fun to do. You just got that super flowy feeling, like, and so to do a switch never felt as good as going regular, but you know, it was still going for it. So cool. Well, going back into some other stuff here, uh, I want to talk about one of your early TB parts. Uh, you have a voiceover at the beginning, and I'm going to play the voiceover. Um, you might not be able to hear it. You might want to pop on Yeah, throw your headphones on. And then I want you to describe why you said these things. Well, you see, I live in Bellevue, and I'm raised by chipmunks, and my mommy is a chimpanzee. (laughs) Live in Bellevue, raised by chipmunks. Well, I mean, that all came from just watching all the snowboard video, or snowboard, sorry, out of the mic direction. That all came from watching old skate and snowboard videos to where they'd interview someone with nothing to say and they'd basically say nothing and it's just like that was stupid yeah <laughs> and so why don't you just say something stupid off the bat that doesn't make any sense and everyone's like well i mean what do they say like, yeah i like snowboarding because it gives me cool feelings or yeah whatever like an old brush so it always be like the things that people just repeat 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 um that just kind of like get stuck in your head, and so you just kind of have something random. Like I didn't, I don't, I don't know. You're all. I wasn't really raised by chipmunks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a bunch of those ones. I think I had a trans one interview is kind of all that gibberish type stuff too. I think it was a face. Good face. <laughs> gibberish face. Gibberish face. Little side. I was young. Didn't have much to say at that point. Still kind of figuring out why I was doing the things I was doing. That's cool. 
You know, uh, Scott, I was talking to Scott Stevens, and he said that the the reason, and I think DOA or one of the Capita videos, they have like these voiceovers where people talk at the beginning, and it's very mm-hmm. random. He said it, it was because Blue wanted that uh, because it was inspired by those interviews of you that were kind of weirdo interviews, I guess you could call them. I didn't, awesome. I didn't know that, but thank you, Blue and Scott Stevens. Blue has been has has said lots of nice things about me, and I have to thank Blue as well um, for giving this the opportunity of working with Mothership, which we can get into later. Yeah, we'll get into the new forum. We we haven't even got into the old forum yeah. yet. Um, Before we do, I got a cool guest que- or a uh, Patreon question because we were talking about Division Twenty Three. And this is something that also sat with me when I was a young kid when I saw this. But I'm going to let Captain Surge ask this question. Was the Division 23 masturbation ad your idea or did you lose a bet or something? Apparently Captain Surge, or is it Sergey? Uh, didn't. Well, it could be Sergey. Huh? Didn't, didn't, <laughs> didn't approve of, of that one. Um, that was a funny shoot. I think me and my friend John Bowen, Kind of, he's probably the influence of the gibberish one as well. He's kind of, again, just kind of doing stuff out there. It's a little more shocking, um, a little more kind of blunt magazine style. Big Brother, I think, was probably a huge influence at the time. Just like, I mean, that magazine is phenomenal. Just even just the little things that you don't even notice. Like, one thing in the Big Brother magazines, like, you did uh, an article, four page article about a skate contest. No big deal. So and so wins, whatever. But you look in the audience, You'd say some guy doing a crooked grind or whatever. You look in the audience and there's like, wait, what's going on there? There's like four pictures of the same guy just placed. Oh, really? It's like all these random Easter egg type stuff. And it was just like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like just the idea they did do that, not necessarily tell anybody, but just kind of, it just, I feel shows a love or devotion to the craft that they're working on. Um, And I think just kind of the whole magazine and that type of thought, creative, weird it was kind of more influence on that. So the masturbation ad um, got approved, apparently. First of all, apparently. explain what it is because I don't well, know what it is. Dude, okay. I, it's funny. It's 20 years later. I can still picture the exact image in my head. It's crazy. It was, it was powerful. So, yeah, I think I have an image somewhere that I'll you can post up right now or something. Um, it was basically supposed to be as if someone walks into a room and, and catches me jerking You're off. You're caught masturbating. So I have like the Victoria's Secrets magazine sitting there and the, the aloe vera gel and some tissues. And I'm like, like this and I have my pants around my, uh, my Ankles knees. And knees. Um, and then sequences switch backside five in the pipe, which was like also a trick that people hadn't seen in a pipe before i think at the time and so this new kid my first dad having a trick they'd never seen and then just like what the hell is this picture of type of a thing and trevor graves shot that but at the time i think he wasn't allowed to shoot stuff so uh controversial um because of his wife i think <laughs> so he had to go by billy jarvis i believe Oh really? <laughs> he used a he used a band name for the that fire. damn Billy because Jarvis were, shot it because you were masturbating or faking. He, he it? just didn't want his Trevor Graves to be On associated that. with some eighteen-year-old kid jerking off in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a powerful image because you, I mean, it was daring. You know, you don't see stuff like that, oh, yeah. especially you, for teenage boys because they all do it, but no one's gonna do an ad of themselves doing it. It was I mean, cool. Boys and men, and and yeah, everyone, yeah, all humans, women, women. 
All humans. So that brings me to a good question about this stuff because back in the day, you know, you have Big Brother, you have edgy, that's a shitty word, ads like that, you know. There, there's all kinds of people being maniacs in the magazine, especially Blunt. And nowadays, it seems to me that every brand is being very safe and very bland with their marketing. Uh how do you feel about that? What are your thoughts on that? I think that goes in waves. It's always kind of been like that. Even back in, I mean, even the beginning of Forum was one of the main reasons for coming about the first time around um, was that things just started kind of going in a very kind of boring product-driven um, marketing branding and such like that to where you just kind of look at a magazine. It wasn't as fun anymore. It's like, Oh, here's a binding sweet next page. Like, like, okay, I might buy that binding. Maybe I won't. Who knows? But it's not part of the culture that I'm kind of stoked on that. I want to see in the magazine every time the mailman comes. Um, and so it's kind of just keeps it again, just kind of keep it new, fresh and fun and just something you haven't seen before. I think, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think it just, I mean, starting this business and being involved with business, you know where it's coming from. It's just a safe way of selling product without it kind of hitting too hard, but I think people are definitely a little too safe, I would believe. They don't need to go the whole masturbation route <laughs> to sell a product, but I think, you know, you don't have to necessarily just have an image of your product and that's your entire brand marketing campaign or whatever. I can't believe you got that ad approved because, I mean, those ads cost a lot of money, too. It was a risky one, but seems like it paid off. Yeah, you had to talk to Greg DeLeo about yeah. getting that one through. He obviously believed in you. you know, I don't think cool. it was in Trans World. I think it was in Snowboarder. Uh, so it's a little bit easier to get stuff past them. Yeah, that makes sense. So going through the evolution of your parts, there's some early TBs, there's brown trout, you had some clips in the garden, a lot of early stuff. And then you start getting into like uh, Meltdown Project, you know, and then en uh, Stomping Grounds, you have Ender. And then Simple Pleasures, you have Ender. And then, you know, brings you to Decade. And there's this this rapid arc of progression through those videos. It's, it's insane where snowboarding went when you watch the first ones to where it's at when you get to, say, Decade. And then in Decade, you get lowered into an arena by like a, a rope, like it's like a big contest arena. And I've been so curious, what was going on with that? Of all my career and everything I've done, <laughs> <laughs> it's getting dropped in on Gothenburg, Sweden's uh, dome for a quarter pipe contest. Yeah, that's it. That's what I want to know. Um, it was pretty fun, actually. And a little kind of like, what? So... Yeah, before the contest, they're going to do the, the heavyweights, like the, me, Terrier, and Ingemar. Maybe one of them or two of them didn't wouldn't even want to do it because they're scared or whatever. <laughs> I did it. They did a little tester thing before, and I was like, okay, this is what's going to happen, but we're not going to do it until the actual contest. And so when the actual contest happened, we were just super rushed and like, where's Peter? Where's Peter? That sounds German, but... Um, and so I'm like, uh, and all of a sudden, like, just, just, just wrap this thing around me. He's like, okay, you're good. Like, like what am I good? It's like, okay, go down. Just, just go like this. Like, all you have to do is move it just a little bit, and you can stop it and go, stop it. And go. It's like, 
all it was like a rope and a little carabiner type of a thing and just kind of not wizardry and dropping in i think it was i don't know how big it was 70 feet or something from the top of this dome into the the flat bottom and like all right and then kind of like zoomed it and like start and then sure enough the rope geniuses worked like it's like oh this thing's kind of fun now so like once i kind of like got over the fear Dropped in. And a like, lot of trust right there. Pizza line. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, those, are, those are some crazy times. Like that and Aaron style. Like all these giant Euro contests. To where like, just like the spotlight is on us. Hitting the jump. And like their name. And crowds. And you were winning them. Not that one. The, Europe, the European ones I didn't really do very well in. It was early, early years. And then I'd compete with. Terry Ingemar and Daniel Frank were the ones who Dude, that's always, a tough, always taking me out. Tough crew right there to go up against. I can't even imagine that. But I, I was in first place for a second in that QP contest. Launched a gigantic five. McTwist yeah. or back five. I, I call it McTwist. Yeah, my, my McTwist, my back fives are more kind of inverted back fives to where like Terry's are amazing. Like where you see the, the proper McTwist these days, but I never really got to that style uh, with that trick. Um, but yeah, then, then Terry, actually I think, yeah, Terry dropped in, did one bigger and then Daniel did his front side alley-oop, which is a new trick at that time. And so he killed it also on that one. Like all those guys are so good. He did that, uh, front side, like, you know, cripple or whatever you call it, backflip from 180 and like almost like looped out. He went huge in that contest. On mm-hmm. that one. I watched actually that full recap. Um, and then it seemed like shortly after that, you started the switch backside sevens were a big, uh, a quarter pipe. Like nobody was doing those. Those were, those were probably pretty big. In one of the video shots, um, but that was after the contest was over. I was going for a cab seven, didn't really go big enough to place very well. But yeah, was, for I, my whole kind of mentality or thought of going into contests was I always hated that idea of the one trick pony of the person just does the cab nine every contest or the same trick every contest. It's like so-and-so is going to be here and they're going to do the same trick. And so I, I would try at least to like have something new at every single contest to a point. I mean, granted, I still wanted to win. If the cab nine is going to be the winning trick, I'd pull it off to get the win if I could. But I would always kind of try and have something else there. Um, especially if I'd land like that hard trick first, I'd go for something I might not have even landed yet. What kind of money were you pulling out of these contests? I think the biggest one was like 20 grand at the, um, one Whistler. I won 20 K in a, in a bag or what? In a briefcase? What are we talking about? What kind of, uh, yeah. Did you secure the bag? I don't think it's cash. Oh, it wasn't one of those cash ones. I always love the cash ones. Yeah. You couldn't bring that through the border anyway. You'd have to get split it up between your homies. It was always the rumor that everyone heard about. You get cash, you give it to your buddies. Yeah, you got to split it up. So it's less than 10K. You only can bring 10K still. Now, so I hear going back to the scaffolding jumps and stuff like that, uh, A, first of all, I thought it was cool seeing those in the in that, in the parts. Like I think it was so cool to have the scaffolding jumps. You know, in technical difficulties, you had um, a bunch of tricks from a, like a summer big air contest. I thought they looked great in video parts. Yeah, no, totally. They're really crazy engineering structures, but then the tricks, trick level on those things were also high up there to uh, make it into the videos. 
Um, and the riders too weren't kind of the, just the typical contest kids. They were kind of the, the big name dudes at the time. So you always got some great shit out of it. All right, buds, is it time to talk fit? Let's talk fit. Volcom's got this uh, program going with all their different fits and the athletes, and I think I just fit my pants. So uh, You fit your pants? Yeah. Was it solid or it was it It was liquid? a little loose. I'm going to go to the bathroom while we play this uh, this video from Volcom. You jarred something loose. Yes. Let's, let's talk go. fit. Okay, here we go. What up, Bombhole Squad? Cody Warble here, here to talk to you about a new collaboration that we got with Volcom and Dustbox. A couple jackets, a couple pants coming at you this fall. Two windbreakers in multiple colors. We got gray and we also got a maroon. This is the Dust Lake jacket from Volcom Dustbox. We also got two workwear jackets, the Dustbox jacket. They come in black and a military green. Great fit, just what you want for if you want it to work, slash snowboard, slash hangout, do whatever you gotta do. And we got two colorways of pants that are just the best pants on the market. Baggy, perfect, lightweight, everything you need for anything you wanna do. Each piece comes with a little special custom art that was designed from us. It's got some beautiful patches on it. Like I said, the fit is just on point with every piece. Also in the collection, we got a beautiful flex fit, dust box, Volcom collab, two hits on the hat. This was a full collaboration between us at the dust box and Volcom. We were lucky enough to work with the designers and design everything to perfection on how we want it. Yeah, it's coming to you this fall, cop it. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and talk to you guys about union bindings. Best bindings in the business. I rock the union forces. They're great right out of the box. Medium flex. The ratchets are buttery smooth. They don't get stuck. They don't get ice stuck in them. They work great. Uh, clean high back. They don't feel stiff. Just a great binding. Number one binding in snowboarding. Been in the Union collection since day one, 18 years and running. More riders trust the force than any other binding on the market. Boom. So head on over to unionbindingcompany.com. The new 22-23 line is live now. So check them out. Okay, with that being said, I think it's a good time to get into a guest question. Now, this guest question is long, so uh, saddle up. Saddle up and get comfortable. It's a great question from a great human, Blue Montgomery. Here we go. Peter, when we first met, your snowboarding was larger than life, um, but you were actually a pretty quiet and reserved kid. And uh, it was interesting because at the time, you were super famous. I mean super famous and i think it's hard for people to really understand how famous you were i mean it's hard for me to understand and i was there you know i remember 1996 being in japan with you and you know kids were banging on our hotel room doors we would leave the hotel to go to dinner and you couldn't walk down the hallway because it was packed full of kids girls were crying crying for you people were freaking out and like it was so surreal. The only thing I can say, it was like, imagine being in like a rock band on tour and you know, like, sure, I was there. Maybe I was like the like obscure bass player that nobody, <laughs> nobody's ever seen. And you were like the lead singer and the guitar player and the whole damn show. It was fucking crazy. And I think like, you know, sure, there's a lot of famous pro snowboarders that have come and gone in the last 30 years, but you could win the Olympic gold medal tomorrow and not be as famous as Peter Line in 1996. So I think in terms of like being a fan of snowboarding, that was the peak of snowboarding fandom in the history of our sport. And you were the most famous dude at the peak of our sport. 
And so I guess I have, you know, I just want to know, like, as kind of a reserved personality at the time, you know, how did you deal with with that type of a fame? I, I know you wanted to be the best snowboarder in the world, but I'm not sure that you really enjoyed that. Um, but I would like to hear how, you know, that experience was for you. And, you know, now... Um, that you're a normal civilian, you know, be honest. Do you miss it? Blue. Well, thank you, Blue, uh, for being a big fan. Um, fan of yours, too, Blue. Blue used to be a pro snowboarder back in the day. We kind of rode for sister companies. Um, I rode for Division 23, and he rode for one. So we've known each other for a long time. Um, but getting down the rock star kind of road um i mean he's correct i was kind of a shy kid um just kind of always had my riding kind of speak for me it kind of already proved proved its worth um to where i didn't really have to speak or sell myself on any of it um to where i just do what i did best and that was kind of what was taking the lead i mean it was for me the whole rock star thing and celebrity in that regards is really weird and I think I just kind of just put it off as as that and tried not to kind of get involved on that side of things or kind of take advantage of it or or just kind of become that as my personality or anything you know go too far into any of it it just I think was just a lot easier anyway. It was kind of like, okay, that's what happens or whatever, but I'm not going to be influenced or, or I don't know. Like, it just kind of seemed like it was over there. Like, yes, this is happening. Uh, what you say is true and stuff, but it was kind of like, okay, we're in Japan. That's what it is. Or we'd be in Sweden. There'd be a bunch of kids asking for me and Ingemar's autograph at a trade show or something like that. And like, okay, that was weird okay cool let's go get some dinner you know or whatever i guess it's just kind of like just put it off i think and didn't really dive too too into it yeah there's definitely great aspects of it um perks and all that stuff that i don't want to say take advantage of but like you know sure you know i'll get walked into a club or whatever you know get free drinks or get whatever the, the perks are Get craned into a contest. But it wasn't like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I always kind of wanted to be and always kind of was raised to be humble about everything. And, and anybody I saw as kind of um, being um, kind of bragging or just kind of thinking they're the shit always is a huge turnoff to me. Even just coming up, like any, any kind of person who thinks they're bigger than life is always like, oh, I don't like that guy. Like, it's just kind of like tacky or something. And so I just kind of growing up was always like, I'm not going to get fed into that type of, of who I am. And that's how I'm going to create who I am anymore or whatever. Okay, we'll stop. Girls crying though. That's crazy. That's like Beatles right there. Yeah. What about the part two was, do you miss it? Mm. Not, not really the whole fan stuff or, you know, I mean, it's cool. Someone asked for my autograph. Awesome. You know, it's been a time I talked to him. Sign something for them. Like I totally appreciate the fans 
and everything. Like, it's awesome. Like, I understand where they're coming from because, like, that's who I was um, growing up and see Palmer and just be, like, starstruck, you know, like, oh, like, it's Palmer. Even, like, when I was a pro, I'd, like, see Palmer, like, oh, my God, it's Palmer. And then he, like, talked to me, like, oh, Palmer's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I get it. I, I didn't. I don't know. I don't miss it. I don't. Th- I wouldn't want to be like some even more celebrity than that. Um, in regards to like recognition, celebrity by name to get you the perks. Sure, you know that's going to help me get first class seats or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm not going to revel in it. Uh, I want to talk about. I've been noticing you're doing these. You're doing when you talk about tricks. You move your fingers around mm-hmm. in the air and you do like. You know, you like you were describing the backside rodeos, and you were like doing this the snowboard finger movements, uh, like you're kind of air fingerboarding. What's up with that? Wait, what, what trick do you want to see? Uh, well, are you skating a quarter pipe right now, or what is that? I, I skate and snowboard regular and goofy foot. So. Oh, you do. So you fingers, finger, you finger f- skate regular. I finger skate. Oh, I do both. It depends on how the angle of my wrist. Is. Oh, okay. Because ah. yeah, if you want to spin, you kind of got to go switch goofy so if you're switch, going switch backside. Switch methods is kind of awkward. Yeah. What about a back lip? Regular, regular what about a back lip? Back lip. So. Yeah, revert. <laughs> that revert in. Okay. Yeah. Back, back. See, I always got to do the crooked hands to get into the. <laughs> to our listeners, these guys are just doing finger moves all over the desk right now. Dude, I've done that my whole life, and I don't know that I've ever like I, whenever I'm like on a call, I'm like doing like nose grinds and stuff. And I you're those grinds are good. Those are pretty fun. Yeah, those nose grinds are fun. Grind. Yeah. It's it's so <laughs> comforting to see somebody else that fingered nose Someone grinds else doing it. I think it's kind of a little bit of an anxiety thing, probably a little bit too. Uh, I remember being Kurt Heine's car, the filmer for Mac Dog for a number of years, and he just turned to me one like every once in a while, like "Stop it!" And I'm like, "What am I doing?" And I was just sitting here like, he just finally just you tell you to stop. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize what <laughs> you just do it. <laughs> And earlier in the Patreon interview, you said you used to like use GI Joes to do tricks and stuff when you were a kid. Yeah, like the the newer, the newer of the older GI Joes that had more like kind of the bendable. Yeah, they had the full movement. Like, like you'd take Knees, apart, arms. Had like the rubber inside of it and all that stuff, but you had the twisting waist, and so you can actually do pretty cool tricks with those guys. Um, and the kung fu grip, which I don't think is actually that thing is old GI Joe with the kung fu grip. What is a kung fu grip? I think those are the the big GI Joes uh, that came out in like the sixties or something gotcha. that had the GI Joe with Kung Fu grip. That's what that is. Okay. Um, Glad we uh, settled that. But then the, the new GI Joes with like Cobra and all that stuff. That was kind of more my GI Joe era. Did you actually put a board on them, or you just pretended there was a board on them? Um, I had like mat board, which is like a thinner cardboard but stiffer. Yeah. So draw up a little graphic you would you draw graphics oh yeah always the artist totally like do board graphic and everything so whatever company like i was all stoked on or whatever or just make up my own graphic and then basically scotch tape worked the best for bindings because you can see through the the base so we can cover up the base binding and Mm. flexes enough that's that's pretty cool (laughs) you're drawing (laughs) graphics on them (laughs) always the artist Okay, Division Twenty Three. We're still we haven't moved on to form yet. We got it. We got some stuff to talk about. Well, I still got about seventeen pages of things to talk about. So, D Twenty Three. Obviously, some iconic boards. You had some pro models. Uh, most notably, the one that you're most known for is the Rainbow mm. Graphic. Yes. 
let's talk about graphics with D23 and that one particularly. So I pink rainbow board. Um, yeah, listen to Mac Dog's um, kind of thoughts on his favorite board graphic. That was kind of awesome to hear. Um, but yeah, it actually is fairly spot on uh, what he said. is So for that board, uh, first pro model, I wanted kind of something that was different than like every board out there was black with skulls on it. And so just kind of same thing as any sort of creative thing, just change something up, you know, make it a little bit different. What is kind of the punk rock thing now is to kind of go against and what is already out there. And so if punk rock is all the same look, it's like it's not very punk rock just to keep on being the same punk rock. That even makes any sense. And so I think I saw a Sean Sheffy board uh, escape. That was like Hello Kitty or something like that. Um, and I just thought that was just hilariously awesome um, in those regards and kind of wanted to emulate in that a certain way. Um, and pink and what else goes with pink? Rainbow. So it kind of was called the Pansy model, which I don't know is the most PC term anymore, but it's self-identified, then I think it's probably fine. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it sold crazy for how small Division 23 was. Um, even in that small little kick tail and the board's all heavy and stiff and the gloss top sheet crack. <laughs> Susie flexes us all. The old spider crack top sheet. Yeah, Exactly. Um, and then we couldn't afford a full color base, and so we had to do it in the brown and grays or something like that. Um, I think that was it. Or yeah. Also, Ben Hirsch, a Patreon member, asked, "How did the Guar board come about?" Uh, Guar. So I wanted a concert photo um, for my second board. Of like, music has always been a huge influence on everything I kind of did growing up, um, got me into the sports, um, and just kind of the creativity all around it. And so I was kind of wanted to show some of that. I've, there might have been some other kind of thought where I wanted a graphic to, or a concert graphic in there. And I think I had just seen um, Guar play, and I also wanted Melvin's on there as well. It was another band I was really into at the time, Seattle band, kind of pre, pre-grunge pre metal, grunge, punk type stuff. They're still around too. King Buzzo. Um, And then Greg knew Joey, who is the backup drummer, I believe, or drummer for uh, Guar at the time, and started that kind of conversation. Got in touch with them. Um, Got the the photo from Rick Kosick of um, Kosick, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Big Brother fame and and Jackass fame and all that stuff. Um, And then hooked up the whole photo shoot as well, which was pretty phenomenal. So that's, that's its own story, the photo shoot. Um, so Rick Kosick also shot the photo shoot and it was me playing cards with the whole band of Guar. And the way that was set up, we're in LA, they're playing a show. And so we go there early. They're all not in makeup or anything. So meet them all, um, out of makeup. Um, takes them about two and a half hours or something like that to get all dressed up and everything. We set up in this kind of little basement type zone. And it was like me, Wee Man, um, Rick, and then Greg DeLeo, 
kind of there. And so kind of just hanging out, got the lights all ready for the shoot, um, waiting for Gore to come downstairs for it. I'm kind of sitting there kind of like, okay, hold your cars. They're going to come over here. And then all of a sudden they come in, they're all in their platform shoes. They're like this. And they just come in like, like giants and it's probably a low ceiling as well. So they're like almost kind of ducking. I'm like, I'm just this little lowly little kid. And these giant fucking war ogres come in from outer space. And they're like, and they're, they're in character. Like they're already, like they're not just dressed. They're in character. So like, they're like, like the one, I don't know, it's odorous or beefcake or whatever. I'm just, his cards all backwards. It's all kind of like distorky, like, and it's got snip, 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 snip. Take all the photos and stuff, and like I'm just sitting there trying not to be scared or whatever. <laughs> um, but it was all—I mean, it was surreal for sure. Yeah, he said uh, Ben Hur said that's the board that got him into snowboarding. Pretty dope. Ben. You ever uh, been to a Guar concert? A few. Yes. Did you dress up? Um, well, you. I think you're supposed to kind of wear a white T-shirt. White, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. You, wear white you just get sprayed, and then you come out with this pinky, greenish blood and guts shirt and puke. Um, and then the best part of that the Guar concert is taking people who've never been to a Guar concert to see a Guar concert, and like, okay, you gotta go in the front row. Yeah, you gotta be in the front. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, like this giant cock comes out. <laughs> 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 and they're like, what oh, the fuck? And spraying blood everywhere. And then like, ha. Ah. No. That's but a solid move. I've never done I mean, that to anybody. The end of a Guar concert, you're just covered in all this fake. I mean, it's not thick. It's just basically red water. Yeah. Um, you just come out. You're just like beaming and like, <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, that was the best thing ever. <laughs> like I took Eddie and his wife there and like just I took photos this is years ago. And he's just like, oh, my God. Like, it's <laughs> you're just ecstatic. Like, it's crazy. That's I've never actually been to one, but Blue told me all about oh, them. Yeah. yeah you need, I mean, Obviously, Odorous isn't there, um, but I'm sure like it's still a great show. Let's go. All right. So I have another Patreon question about a graphic. This is from James uh, Cahill. What is with the Dick Nose Pony graphic? Pop colors, real bizarre, but it's actually one of my favorites in my collection. Please tell the story behind this particular graphic. Well, thank you for liking the Dick Nose Pony. That was not the official name of it, obviously. Um, and it wasn't even penis as its nose but it was um based off of a um my little pony with an extended snout that looped and twirled and went around and i was lived in a nice little candy land type pastel colored um happy place um so that might have been kind of drifting back a little bit towards like the same sort of thought as the rainbow graphic just kind of just something a little more kind of weird and cartoony i mean I, I love saturday morning cartoons as a kid so i think everything about my creativity kind of stems back to that and heavy metal is that a that's a for, that's a forum graphic though that was forum graphic yeah that's not a d23 oh, okay. so going back to let, let's let's get into the the con the consummation that's a word sure let's say consummation, consummation. how like, did you like how did you, you get married and you how did you consummate forum <laughs> I think it's just sex. <laughs> yeah, How did you inform consummate? I mean, a kid has to come out of it. <laughs> oh, true. You're right. <laughs> how did what? <laughs> how did you consummate forum? No, how, how, how did you? Well, let's let's talk. You're on D23. Well, a, how, man, how do we get to forum? When a man loves a woman, 
Do you take this man? Uh, yeah, D23 to form. How did it happen? What happened? How did it work? Uh, Greg DeLeo, who kind of was running all kind of creative team and everything over there besides probably the financials. Um, he was good friends with Raul Reese, who had special blend going already. And Raul is kind of the big visionary and had just kind of saw the whole thing. Um, just kind of saw world industry skateboarding. It's like, I can do that with snowboarding. Um, get the best riders, do cool marketing and branding, like awesome graphics, fun. Um, he Either he hit up Greg or Greg talking to him, just whatever came up. It's about starting a company and going through uh, what already Raw has established as kind of the offices and all that stuff. And you can get financing as well. And I was kind of the hot guy at the time. Um, there's Ingemar too. He had, we had just kind of started Foursquare the year before. So it was still, we're all still kind of fresh with me, like, um, as far as kind of really knowing him very well. Ingemar, I think we might have tried to get on, but he was already at, on Atlantis. But I don't think we really tried too much because we knew that was a, not, not a thing. But anyway, um, so there's, there's kind of two guys had the idea of it, hit me up, and I'm like, Sure, you know, like I, if you're gonna leave, because I trusted Greg from Division Twenty Three. So if you're gonna do this, I trust you. Met Raw, started started Foursquare briefly. Um, trusting him, he basically is all about just creativity, um, freedom of basically my own kind of self, just so he, you know, he's not gonna come in and make me somebody who I'm not. Do branding or marketing and stuff, and he's all cool with that. Um, and then how do we do it? We need to get kind of the new cool young riders on, put them in videos. Mac Dog does the best videos. Let's bring Mac Dog in um, to be part of it. Um, so this all kind of happened at the same time, I think, too. So so us kind of three started it with um, talking to lawyers, make sure this is feasible, behind the scenes stuff that I wasn't really part of but kind of had a general idea of it all and probably missing a lot of shit in there but how did you pick the team so the team is mostly picked by uh, Mac Dog and myself uh, is all about I mean picking him at first had its own kind of like pick at the young new good guys who are going to be the best but then it kind of what it came down to was who are the kids that I'm seeing riding in his video parts that are like kind of younger than me that I'm jealous of? <laughs> like that kid's good. Like I don't. And then it's basically it's like, oh, oh he's so good. Or, like I love his style. Or it's like, damn, he's taking shit that I've you know doing the same tricks that I just took me so long learning or whatever it is. And like, well, if he's on my team, it's not really jealousy anymore. It's just kind of family or however you want to look at it. And so that was kind of the thing. It's like that guy's really good. That's Get him on forum, and so forum there's always, or against him, huh? <laughs> so it was always like, yeah, like that, and then go take him out on a shoot with Dogger and I, and see how they do. And I think most of the time it ended up good. How about the name? Forum. Um, so the original name that we came up with, or I came up with, was called Meridian. We couldn't get the trademark for that. They're a toy company, so if you have snowboards, same thing is considered a toy. So Meridian, um, it's kind of, I think, believes like the kind of pinnacle of something. 
And then Forum kind of made more sense. And so that was another name I kind of just been noodling around words, um, a combination of people coming together. And so that's kind of what it was with me, Greg, Mac Dog, Raw, kind of coming together to create this thing. And like, for, like Dogger said, the, and then the, the logo was um, originally did an ugly logo that I designed that actually got put on a prototype board, but it was horrible. And then Dogger had the idea for the F-hole from a guitar and just kind of played with that, and that was it. Wow. Ricky uh, DeMaico asks, how does it feel to have created and recreated the baddest brand in snowboard history? I think that kind of goes with the celebrity question that you asked a little while ago to where it's kind of like, I don't really put that in the forefront. Yes, I I, I, I see that. I think yeah, Forum is awesome and I'm trying to do it again. Um, but it's like, I don't dwell on it and get it kind of like in my head, like responsibilities and all the, all the kind of heavy shit that's sitting on someone's shoulders when they, you know, someone points out the realization of how big something possibly is. Now, going back to form for a second here with, uh, I heard a rumor doing my research that maybe Noah Selaznick, you asked him to be on and he declined. Is that true? Not exactly. Um, Dogger brought up Selaznick at one of the meetings to bring in kind of an, an older pro established pro. And, even though like everyone's like, dude, Slaznik is amazing, 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 it is kind of basically like this is all new kids. Um, basically, I mean, it kind of shifted. Devin had an established name at the time, so he's kind of more the bigger name pro that kind of came on later. Um, but as mostly just kind of like we're just gonna we're gonna create the next team, next next rock stars, or you know the best snowboarders in the world, most progressive kids, and just bring them in young. Um, I think it's Selaznick. He's amazing. He's one of my biggest influences of all time. It would have been cool to see him on a forum. Uh, go, going back, was it true that you guys signed Bjorn first? I believe so. He was definitely the one kid I'd see riding around all the time. And he had such sick styles, so good in the pipe. And then he also had kind of his free riding abilities as well. And like, he's a kid. It's like, oh, this little cocky kid. Like, I hate him. Team, I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Bonjourno. no, he Bjorn killed it. He's such a good rider, and then yeah, Duffy was next after him. Same thing, just some. I think Duffy's like sixteen or fifteen or something like that, doing these cab nines up in Canada and Kearns. I believe it was like, dude, you got to put this kid on. Same thing. It's like, fuck, that kid's good. Yeah, it's so funny. Eddie said the same <laughs> thing. Talking to Eddie Wall yesterday, he's like. I don't know, there might be something, Peter once told me, I might be wrong about this, but he said he put people on the team he didn't like because if he knew he didn't like them, he knew that they were maybe like better than him or as good as him, and so that's why he should put them on the team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it, was, it wasn't personalities or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just the, the jealousy of someone like, I mean, the writing it, it's, part of it. I mean, it's not like the jealousy actually for real, but if you kind of feel that little tingle back there, like, oh, I'm kind of jealous of even though you're not going to voice it or yeah. you don't really care enough to have a reaction. But if it's there, 
it's telling you something. That, like, there's a reason why you're kind of jealous over this person because he's <laughs> doing really cool shit that you're not doing that you wish you could or did or whatever it is. And then that's, you know, there's a reason and that person's good. With Forum, so you guys started doing videos with MacDog and the first few you have Decade and then, I don't know if Simple Pleasures are on a forum, I can't remember. Um, I think, no. And then, so Decade, oh, maybe. Uh, and then you have, so. and then, but then technical difficulties and so on and so forth. And then it brings you to uh, The Resistance, the first big end-all, be-all team movie. Uh, with Forum, and that is brings us to a guest question from none other than ex-Forum team rider, Pat Moore. Here we go. Hey, Pete, it's Pat. Uh, as you know, I'm a huge fanboy, so very excited to listen to your episode. Uh, so my question for you is this. Did you edit your part in The Resistance? Uh, I think for a lot of us fans out there, uh, that part was pretty monumental, uh, the writing was incredible, uh, but that edit, I mean, the Ween song, the animations, all the visual kind of effects that you threw in there were just, just made it so memorable. Um, so I'd love to hear about that. And I'd also like to ask, did you really eat the goldfish? Thanks. And is the goldfish still living in your stomach? Thanks, Pat. I like the way Pat says his name. It's Pat. Hey, it's Pat. Um, so going Pat's first question, which was, did you edit your video part? Uh, I added the little special effects. It was, it was edited like it was cut already, and then I came in and added all the special effects. There's a couple in there that I need a little bit of help with, um, but it was just kind of a fun uh, little thing, learning kind of video editing and stuff like that. And then, actually, for True Life, I did the same thing. Um, that one, that one actually might have edited even more and then had a little, in the extras DVD, had a little animation video that I made. So I was kind of playing around with kind of editing and effects in a kind of getaway back then. So I wanted to have a little more kind of fun and to go along with the kind of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas graphic that I had at the time. kind of felt like it kind of all worked together in some weird, surreal type way. Um, that one really stands out. Yeah, I mean, it's fear and loathing. It's kind of, it's, it's yeah, it's fun editing that. Um, and the image of you with the wearing the stuff and, and I shave my head. Yeah, um, that was amazing. Where I mean, now I don't need to shave it anymore. We should pop I, that I up that on the screen, now. huh, Chris? The part? No, just even the him looking like. Yeah, <laughs> shaving his head. I mean, that's that's what I look like now if I grow my hair out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, art imitates life, I guess. Huh? <sighs> There, there's so many subliminal messages in that part too because I went back and watched it and I was even on the phone like scrubbing through and there's like uh, there's a there's like a buy my blood by my, you, by my board or by, oh is it by, by my, my board? board oh yeah because it's low res I couldn't buy my board it's written in blood it's written in blood that's what I meant buy my buy my board written in blood is what I meant to say did that work and, were people buying it and that was one of them I think so yeah they were so you just were like I'm <laughs> throwing is there thought behind that um, it was it's kind of like me being my quote cocky like it was a kind of, like, kind of like my columns i wrote for snowboarder too i'd kind of almost have like a, a fake cockiness that was overly done that was basically to make fun of myself type of a thing of sorts um so the buy my boards is kind of just over the top um exploiting the idea of being able to put product placement or whatever i don't even know um 
but yeah, it's just a more of a fun thing than. There's another. There's another stuff. I started pausing it and getting really deep dive on it, and it stopped on a freeze frame. And there was a Charles Bukowski quote. Um, uh, yeah, that's do, right. do you remember putting that in there? It says, "I think it's, yeah, it was a kind of an era where it's um, kind of going into like these writer artists who are irreverent and kind of out there." Bukowski, I mean, it's kind of would have been my college years, and so everyone has their Bukowski college years episode, and so same thing with Hunter S. Thompson. So that was just my, you know, that part of it going into the snowboarding. Um, I wrote down the quote, the the screenshot. Oh, I don't remember quote. what the quote it's, is. It's a Bukowski quote, and it's literally two frames. You have to, like, scrub through it really quick because it's in a quick cut. Said, That's what I was kind of hoping. Because when I was a kid, too, I'd always pause. Pausing sick, yeah. Like, oh, I cut the shot. Like, you know, you, yeah. you see someone do it. Like, if I was a photographer, poof, Yeah, you, know, you, you want to see like, exactly oh, how they're grabbing, oh, I missed, too. Or I missed a grab or whatever, you know. The quote was, I guess the Bukowski quote was, the area dividing the brain and the soul is affected in many ways by experience. Some lose all mind and become soul insane. Some lose all soul and become mind intellectual. Some lose both and become accepted. I mean, it, it's subjective. Every person is like a fortune cookie or, or, or um, astro- astrology. To where like you, you get read something and it's like, oh yeah, totally. It's like you just yeah, the way you read it, it makes depending sense. Depending on how you're to, thinking, to each person, like yeah. they, they can like you know warp your their own kind of thought into the, that making sense for themselves. So, something I you mean, mentioned, which uh, is good, because like it also makes every person think in their own different way of how that can you know their own self thinking and how they go about life. Something you mentioned is a sidebar, but I don't think we need to spend too much time because forum is more interesting. You went to college? No. Oh, you said my college. Well, Bukowski reference. I I took a quarter of community college before I started making money. Okay. Um, But no, that was college days of so that that kind of age. Yeah, is when people are finding Bukowski. Yeah, so a lot of my hobbies during my snowboard career were kind of what other people are doing in school. Ah. So I kind of try and stay on board with that kind of education and certain things because, you know, I was go doing the fun thing all the time. But then like kind of the hobbies would be like kind of like to get back to like, okay, make sure I'm kind of learning or being, you know, educating myself in a way as well. That's cool. The direction of this uh, resistance part is... Wait, re- what was Pat's second question? Oh, Pat, oh, uh, yes. Pat asked if you ate the goldfish. Oh shit! I shouldn't have asked that. <laughs> that was that's a big regret of my life. For the well, what's funny is, yes, I did eat it and I did chew it because anybody swallows it, and I think that would actually be worse for the goldfish. I, am I gonna get in trouble for this? Peter, so, Peter. So I killed it real fast because I I didn't want to suffer, and so I was like, <laughs> tastes like shit. I feel bad. I own three goldfish now. They're about five years old, and we had a baby, and I named him Chewy because of the goldfish from the video. So I have three three goldfish that I feed every single day. Of so my you life. did regret this, Goldie, Whitey, and Chewy. Peter's coming <laughs> yeah. after you. Peter, so I feel you tre- actually regret this and have yeah. th- thought no, about I this. Told, I mean, yeah. it's it's killing an animal for entertainment. Yeah, and I I'm gonna blame it on alcohol, maybe. It happens. I'm sorry, 
Chewy, but you've been reincarnated. And now. you're, yeah, now you're raising now I, a whole no, I, family. Yeah, now I, now yeah. I take care of you. I feel you like you've uh, given back karma-wise, and it's okay. It's the circle of life. Peter, it's okay. It's the circle of life. Uh, I want to stay on the resistance because it's it's such a good one. Is dude. that where we have a print from? Uh, we do, yeah. I think yeah. it's resistance or true life. We do have a Rob Mathis print for sale at... Uh, Bombhole.com. Thank you, Rob. Let's give him a big old air. Giant. Horn. Backside <laughs> and, 180. And Is that what backside, we're talking about? Backside 270 on a hip. Oh. Going back to progression. Kind of grass or revert. Trick going back police. to roach, roach influence. That's the thing. The The early days, the progression uh, was back rodeo sevens and, and a lot of switch riding and things like that. We talked about switch backside sevens and switch in the pipe and things like that. And it seemed like with the... These years, the going huge on hips was one of them. That was elevating. Like, you're, you're known. I had a poster of you at Mount Hood Meadows, I believe, doing a huge backside here. And then um, even more so, so, yeah, we can talk about the hips. And I, the other thing that really sticks out that kind of didn't maybe get the shine it deserves at the time, but the backside 360 to disaster on the mailbox and then switchback 3 disaster on the mailbox on top of the wall that says, buy my board. Uh, those are re- were really notable progression wise for me. Do you want to talk about those? Yeah, I I mean I think just think those are it's the element of snowboarding that I like to kind of see and ride, where it's like you get set up on a feature that you've never really written anything exactly like it before, so you got to kind of make up the tricks on the go type of a thing. So this is kind of a pretty small quarter pipe. It's probably like four feet high, um, up to like a wall that was like with a mailbox rail like a rail type box thing on top of it to hit um and then yeah that was kind of where i learned kind of the backside three up to it board slide and come off um i've done a couple different variations of years afterwards but that's kind of one of the first ones but yeah just kind of these new features and like okay what can be done on this like you it's not just a straight tabletop takeoff it's not you know normal quarter pipe or half pipe or anything that anyone's really kind of written and so i i dig that stuff it's like okay let's just have a little fun session here and let's progress it and kind of keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing and you know eventually you can get some really cool stuff out of it all right we're going to take a quick break and talk about capita snowboards now buds did you know capita owns their own factory with their own damn ski slope right in the heart of the austrian alps and builds their board with self-generated clean energy i did know that they pull hydropower from a river on site and have a slope right behind the factory to shred on. Wow, buds. Capita has built the most environmentally responsible snowboard production facility in the world. It's called the Capita Mothership. They also make some really great snowboards. I'm going to go ahead and say the best boards. Couldn't agree more. I've been testing those bad layers out. They're great. Now, I've been riding for a long time, maybe 27 years. Pretty decent amount of time. And I've ridden a lot of different boards. And, Buds, how long have you been riding? 86 years? Yeah, 86 to 90 years. How about you, Peter? How long have you been riding? Um, about the same as Eastern. <laughs> Six years. It's a lot. It's a lot of years on slope right there. So what do you think yeah, about the... boards are made of stone. <laughs> <laughs> the first ones. The first ones. So, Buds, what do you think about the Capita boards? So good, my dog. Wow, you nailed that one. All right, we, we're going to get into a guest question. This one is from a juggernaut of our sport, none other than Mr. Ken Block. Here oh, we go. Shit. Hey there, bomb holers. This is Ken Block. Uh, I heard you got Peter lying there in the booth. 
one of the most interesting humans uh, that I know. Uh, I have a simple question for Peter, which is, and Peter actually knows, knows this is coming because I've commented on him several times to him. Uh, he had a certain moment at a, an award show, I think it, like a Trans World Award show, uh, where he got up on stage and did something really funny. So I, I want to know the background of this moment, like where he got the idea from, um, all that sort of stuff. And by the way, it has something to do with alcohol and being very inebriated. So Peter, let's hear that story. Oh, thanks, Ken. Um, yeah, I think you're talking about when I did the kind of pre-recorded speech. Uh, I don't know if it was for like Rider of the Year or Rockstar or something like that. But basically, I just had a kind of a little pre-recorded mini cassette player thing. This is before they had iPhones and recorded my entire speech on that. Maybe even just kind of just listen to myself beforehand. But then it basically just ended up being that was it and to have the um, one kind of girl up there who's kind of presenting and handing me the trophy just handed her the the recorder say hey can you just hold it up to here and she's like receptive to that and grab my trophy while my speech is going on and went and got a drink probably <laughs> while everyone's just kind of listening to my speech off, while I'm off stage um, it's kind of do that for you guys too <laughs> if you guys edit so already I already edited this um, interview for you guys. The files kind of kind of like resistance style a little bit, so it's already done. Um, <laughs> so just plug that in. Get the USB ready to go. Plug that in. Let's go. Yeah, Perfect. So you'll probably like see something like this right here, or that. It might be a little glitchy too. I mean, it's some loading next type feel to it, but they're. Might be some other things. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, we need, so we need to download that and pop that on? Yeah. Things Talking to Ken, too, he wanted to he wanted me to provide context. He's like, I don't know if people nowadays even know what the Trans World Awards are. That's like, true. Huh? And so, you know, all of the entire snowboard industry and team managers and all the people of the brands and the pros are all, they get together and they do this award. And then Peter gives them a tape recording and go get, goes and gets a beverage while they play. The, it's great. So. Or Jess Kamara throws a giant uh, dildo in the crowd. Yes, like that has awesome happened. different things happen. Yeah, I mean they're they're basically just the award show for you know like they do in any other industry, yeah. Oscars, um, Grammys, all that stuff, Emmys, but for snowboarding. And so they haven't been every single year, but back in the day they were pretty consistent. Um, one of a few of those. And there's the Legend Awards, and then I actually hosted a couple of them. Um, I think I should bring them back. They're kind of fun. We Super have an fun. award right there, right? Oh, we have uh, yeah, one of JP oh. Walkers. Yeah, I don't know what it is. We've got an award, Best Rail Rider. I like that better than Jibber of the Year. I think that's better. Best Best Rail Rider. That's got a nice ring. They were a special time though, because we'd all be at the trade show. Better when it was at Vegas, and everybody, it was just a wild time, get everyone together. Oh, yeah, And totally. have such a cool... You hosted it with, it with cool Eddie. Oh, that's right. With Eddie, you yeah. and Eddie Wall. That, that was, was a good one. And Eddie told me that when he first met you, uh, he pretended that he didn't know who you were. <laughs> and he's like, hi, I'm Eddie. What's your name? He was all starstruck, <laughs> so he did, he went that move, like, oh, let's just pretend I don't know who he is. Yeah, I think I've, I've made fun of him a few times over that one. <laughs> it's like... 
I could see in your eyes you knew who exactly yeah. who I was. <laughs> You, any snowboarder knew who well, you were. Well, it's because I I probably did that when I was a kid too. Some pro. I think there's a story of Craig Kelly, the god back then. I think I was like probably 14 or something. That just snowboarding and had to go pick up something, whatever, f- at the local snowboard shop, which is Bike Factory. Um, and for some reason, I knew or I didn't know that Craig Kelly was going to be there. But it was kind of like a, a Spinal Tap event for him. Where, like, there's nobody there. Craig Kelly's gonna be here signing autographs, but it wasn't like promoted and no one was there. And I'm like the little kid, so seeing it from my eyes as a pro now, I probably like, yes, there's a kid here. At least I don't feel like I'm just stuck here in the shop with no no purpose. And so Craig Kelly probably thinking the same thing. He's like, yeah, a little kid, I can sign something just so you know, it doesn't seem weird for me. Walk in there and like, hey, do you have like this gripper or whatever? I don't know what I was looking for. A can't or some stomp pad or something stupid and then bob barcy the owner um was like hey do you want craig kelly's autograph i'm like no i just need my stomp pad (laughs) (laughs) just trying to be too cool or something and it's like craig's just kind of defeated it's like (laughs) (laughs) the one kid who shows up doesn't know who i am (laughs) nice move dude yeah and and i never black belt move i never got to really formally meet craig kelly either dude i actually one of my big regrets as well I did ride with him once when I was a kid. Um, he, he was at Alpental with him and Ranquit, and they didn't really know Alpental very well, I guess. They was like, hey, where's the cool runs? And like, and like me and my friend Derek were like, oh, take this cat track and you drop in. He's like, oh, we'll just follow you guys. And so we're like, oh. And we knew exactly who they were. We actually, they didn't, followed know, you we guys. actually didn't know who Craig Kelly was because he's riding his Burton board. Uh, and that, right when he switched. During the switch. And like, who's that guy with Ranquit? We knew Ranquit, his local hero. And then we kind of take him down this little run. He's like, ooh, that guy's pretty good. And then it's like it's kind of this little little bank thing. And then I like, see Ranker just like, boom. And like, there's a little cab over here. And then this other guy goes up and it's a hand plant. And then a J-Terror. He's like, what? Like, yeah, J-Terror on this little thing? And like, we were just like freaking out. And then they, they ditched off on after that run. And then we like went down later and like saw their boards and um, the board check. And it's like the Craig Kelly McDonald's board. Pre, wow. pre-signature. I think his might even have a signature on it, but it was during the transition from him to Sims where he couldn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think that was Craig Kelly. Dude, that's so cool how that's just ingrained in your head like that. I, dude, those moments are the ones that last yeah. forever, yeah. <laughs> Best times of You almost life. can, like, remember everything about it. But then uh, the last 10 years, I don't really remember, remember too much. About yeah, it. same here, same here. But those moments, yeah, like, but, but you almost remember know. what it smelled like and, like, just everything about it. He'll, he'll, he'll remember, remember HHH, yeah. and then he won't even remember a Tech Nine video he that edited. I edited. <laughs> yeah, Derek was wearing an OP jacket. It was green yeah. with blue. Yeah. I think he's riding a K2 board. I had a Sim Snow Shredder at the time. Yeah. I just remember it all. It's so crazy. What was a young Mike Rinquet like, dude? Just crazy? Um, we mostly knew him from skateboarding because he's the only guy that had like a vert ramp, and he had like a 12 and a half foot vert ramp in the woods. 12 and a half foot. A little bit. Little, down the way from uh, my school, but you can kind of skate there um, on these rolly hills and That's stuff. That's why he's such a good so skater, we, huh? Yeah, we didn't we didn't really know how to ride vert at the time, so we just kind of sit there and watch the the dudes dropping in, and every once in a while, like, okay, you guys, and then we get in the middle and learn how to pump and go back and forth, and went there enough times to learn how to drop in and all that stuff. Um, was never really that good at vert, but you know, got up there to pop tarts and grinds and stuff like that, rock, fakey rocks. Um. 
Yeah, I mean, he's, it's Ranquit. Yeah. Just a young Has he been wild. on here yet? No. no. <laughs> he, he's in Hawaii. Are you guys, you know? are you guys scared? <laughs> very, very scared. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Ranquit. Yeah. Always been kind of the, fuck you, yeah. And he's still like that yeah, to this day. <laughs> I don't know that he grew up much. No, I've been able to spend some time a, with him in the past couple of years. He's a funny ass dude. He's yeah. a funny dude. Smart. He's pissed on my leg a few times, literally. Literally. At the bar. That's what I would expect. Yeah. You're just like sitting there and all of a sudden like, why is my leg all hot? Like, <laughs> look over and like, he's all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a power move. That's a power That's move. It's a full power move. Urinating on someone's leg. <laughs> and just looking at him while you're doing it. Well, yeah. And then in the night we both have piss all over both of us. Yeah. There's, there's payback. It doesn't stop. Yeah, it doesn't stop at one leg. That's for sure. So uh, going back to the resistance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, back. What were we talking about? <laughs> no, I, I really am. I am curious about this because that was the first forum big team movie. Uh, and in the intro of that video, you uh, there's a skit. Well, I'm guessing it's a skit where you beat the shit out of the entire team. Oh, it's right here. Yeah, Jeremy oh, Jones gave us that. Yep. And um, yeah, so you beat the shit out of the team. Um, what was the concept behind that and, and the whole movie in general? Um, where that one came up was like, we just launched our boots. I think the year before the end of the season, like we're going to have boots next year. And there was like a, a quote on there, I think either from me or something where just kind of the feedback sounded super cocky and probably rightly so. Um, just the way it kind of comes across. Um, and so we just kind of like, we don't, that's not our style. And so we had to kind of go back and kind of make fun of ourselves a little bit. And so we kind of re- reiterated that quote at the very beginning to make it sound like we're like cooler than we were, but then kind of loops around to like kind of totally making fun of ourselves type of a thing. And I don't know where the concept was of me taking out the entire team or anything, but I think it turned out awesome. It's pretty funny. And you briefly mentioned, uh, we haven't talked about Foursquare, which is interesting because I always thought Forum came before Foursquare. You mentioned that Foursquare came first. Um, let's talk about Foursquare and how that came about. Um, yeah, so that was when I was riding for Division 23. Um, I was kind of riding for Swag as my outerwear sponsor, but ended up just wearing more of the prom clothing because as cooler and that's what tina you're wearing prom <laughs> yeah that's what tina and shannon were designing and it was, i like the designs way better than the swag stuff it was always kind of wonky colors and it just kind of seemed like it was made for southern california where it wouldn't even that as that great function for where i was riding in the northwest where it's wetter and just more snow and just and the the, the prom stuff was kind of designed by those girls and they're good designs, you know. Granted, some of those, some's a little pastel for me, but suffice to say, I wasn't really a fan of swag and needed a better outerwear sponsor. And <coughs> hit up Special Blend and then Raw's like, well, I don't think he fits in with Special Blend, but I think he fits into something new. And bring on Ingemar Bachman. Um, started Foursquare with just being called um, Outerwear by Peter Lyon and Ingemar Bachman with just the logo, and that was it. And then we basically let the customer name it for us, and everyone just started calling it Foursquare, or Foursquares or whatever, and like, all right, Foursquare, that's it. That's the name. 
I never knew that. That's pretty rad. So so there, yeah. there was no name. It was, it was named. just a logo. A Logi One Kenobi is yeah, just a Logi One Kenobi. It's a rectangle of four squares four in a squares. row, and then it got staggered. Yeah, originally, it wasn't staggered. Yeah. Originally, it wasn't staggered. Just four. Did you do the logo? I did the original one. Raw staggered it. Raw staggered it. Um, but yeah, that kind of with the logos. I mean, four squares staggered, lower, upper, lower, middle, river. Flip it upside down. It's basically the same thing. There's same way thing with forum, flip it upside down. It's symmetrical on both ah. sides. And so was, from there on out, a lot of the logos I would kind of work with it always try to keep it symmetrical, especially in snowboarding where you're going all different w- which ways upside down and backwards and stuff. So it kind of just makes sense. And to give people an idea how big this got, Travis Wood recently was showing me pictures of uh, Joey from Friends rocking Foursquare. And apparently he was wearing it so much on the show, Wood had to call him up and be like, dude, you got to chill out on that a little <laughs> bit because it's a little too mainstream. So he straight up called the It wasn't homie. a good thing. Well, he at first it was like, holy shit, he's wearing it, but he kept wearing it, like recurring an episode. So Wood ho- called him and was like, "Gotta let's pull back a little bit. Yeah. I remember seeing photos of him wearing the sweater, and it got – it was allowed on TV because it was such – the logo wasn't so obvious. Yeah, so didn't it say a name. Like, looked more like a design than anything. So the people, the they let it the fly. War, the wardrobe people allowed it, um, but apparently uh, Joey loved it. Loved it, and apparently in sync hit him up and wanted him to. Uh, they were playing at some snow fest, and Timberlake and all them wanted to wear it, and they had to say no because it's like Ooh, not the right, not hard. the right look. Damn, turning down in sync. Yeah. That was Wood's job because he was hitting up all these marketing people. He was more trying to send it to, like, Wu-Tang and people like that. He didn't want, like, NSYNC, the boy band out there playing it. But that's how big but, yeah, the I, brand's got. Yeah, I knew Timberlake wrote, like, I think, a genius board. And then Cameron, when they were going out, Cameron Diaz had one of my boards, I believe. Or it could have been when they were dating. Could have, could have been vice versa. But, I mean, that's fucking awesome, I think. Yeah, like, the shit was big. Yeah, I said, dude, that would be sick having Justin Timberlake wearing this stuff, but. Maybe yeah. not all the other I'll, guys. I'll send in sync some bomb hole right now. Yeah, man. dude. But back then, I guess maybe it was a little different. Yeah, and then Robin Williams is wearing four squares. Robin stuff. Williams. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was, rest in peace. This oh, shit was oh, big. Like, yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, the brand went places. And, yeah, and um, I think we were talking earlier about um, Wyclef. Yeah, Wyclef was way in, into the mark. Or uh, yeah, the, you guys were just larger than life, huh? I guess so. I mean, <laughs> like all that stuff is like, well, that's cool. Like, I'm still kind of like it says, like just like just watching as well as kind of being part of it, but just kind of. Right. It's funny when you're going through it, you just have your head down and you're doing it, huh? Kind of, yeah. Going through the motions. Yeah, a little bit more kind of back brain on some things. We're just like, okay, just doing it now, instead of thinking four, too deeply on it. Yeah. Four square two. If you look at the climate of outerwear at that time, there was it was basically just outerwear. Some of it was kind of cool, but there wasn't any. Uh, streetwear, I guess, stuff that you might be able to look good in off-hill as well as on-hill. Like, you guys were kind of before Holden, you were the first people to do, like, I feel like pea coats and snowboarding and things like that. Was was that the direction you wanted to go? What was the direction with the gear? Um, I think, yeah, the, the pea coats is probably a little bit later. Um, Foursquare, when it kind of came on in 96, there wasn't really any technical snowboard-specific brands. Um making quality gear for kind of the, the wet, snowy Northwest weather and to where besides just having a better product for myself, 
and writing and going in that direction, more kind of technical outerwear. Um, just got a little more of a different aesthetic as well from Special Blend for kind of Force Square to be separated from the two, where Special Blend is a little more kind of street style. Um, but then, yeah, as we kind of grew the Force Square, kind of make a little more kind of technical stuff. Um, my personal style kind of changed as we kind of brought on more kind of team riders as well to kind of cover the Force Square stuff. I kind of wanted to test out different directions with kind of quote fashion type feel on hill to where I, I didn't really need to be wearing these bright color blocked pieces like why don't I just can't I just wear this stuff I would normally wear on the street because um, I don't need to get all dressed up to go snowboarding in weird colors that when I'd only wear black anyway um, and so I just kind of made normal kind of more stylish streetwear pieces um, with kind of waterproof you know waterproof zippers possibly just kind of more, more water sealing, more geared towards actually riding that still kind of look cool off-hill. You were actually designing everything? Um, I designed quite a bit of the early stuff. Rob Myers, which I um, thank a lot in my early kind of design um, learning. I think he's doing DC now or did the last couple of years, last few years. But anyway, um, yeah, so first year I designed two of the pieces. Um and the second year, designed like probably three quarters of them. Um, so for the first probably four or five years, I designed quite quite a bit of them. And at that time, it was more as me and my computer just kind of drawing this stuff up, just kind of normal, like here's the front, here's the back, here's a little bit of the design colors and all that stuff. Um, but then through the years, working with Rob and Stephanie Sensenbach over there, learning how to actually design and develop the outerwear like too. Like doing the tech packs and yep. every how, minor how, detail. How to correctly draw everything, put the bar tech here, otherwise there's not going to be a bar tech and that zipper's going to just pull out basically or whatever it is, you know, to where how the factory needs to read the tech packs. I didn't quite get there with Foursquare, but that's that was the stage where I went from Foursquare to kind of designing for Dekine and basically doing all the design, all the tech packs and technical drawings and figuring all the minimum of quality of colors and fabrics and you know, pricing and all that stuff. But it's all started back at Foursquare, just kind of slowly learning, kind of almost as an intern um, every summer. we just kind of go down to Southern, Southern California when the snowboard season is over and kind of sit in the office and just learn all that stuff. That's cool. Instead of going to college, you just learned by doing and uh, learned what they designed, what they learned in design school to the full professional level. Yeah. No, they're great teachers. Like, and they're, I mean, I can kind of see it from, at this point now, kind of having some snowboard kid come in, like, hey, he wants to design a bunch of your stuff for hey, you. Can I chill here? And, and uh, <laughs> they come in with some crappy drawings or whatever, and they call themselves a designer now. Like, you probably see a lot of stuff. After they designers. went to like, school. Yeah, my designer's like, well, let me see your designs. It's all, just do this. Here's a napkin. Whatever. But then there's a whole different, but yeah, I, I kind of wanted to learn that whole thing just so I wouldn't be kind of almost kind of disrespecting their craft and their what they kind of went through. I don't want to just come in here and, kind of tell them what to do and so it's also really fun learning all that stuff too so it's it's easy to not kind of get ahead of myself with some of that and it could be disrespectful to come in and be like yeah your designs aren't good enough here's mine on a napkin or a piece of paper that, yeah it's kind yeah. of exactly kind of the same feel yeah and granted some of their designs work <laughs> <laughs> you probably kidding. taught them a little bit no, too I, though I, about I, what's no, really I, going no, on I, you know no totally like they they were humble in their own self too um I mean, a lot of designers too. 
some were a little bit more kind of headstrong in their design feel, which totally fine. Yeah, and, and learn and learn learn aspects from them as well, even along those paths. So it's all really really just interesting and kind of just cool to each step of the way, and then working from them from the original Foursquare, and then we had Omar come in and some other designers through the years, and so just kind of sit down with every single kind of designer, creative director, art director, and just kind of like sitting in and learning. So that was kind of same with Jared Eberhard and all the kind of creative directors over there. Um, so many that I'm missing, I'm sure, but every single one just kind of like help and kind of sit there. We do some signature series, like kind of like the peacoat type stuff and that red kind of biker jacket that I did for Foursquare one year too. Um, just kind of like would have little outlets here and kind of just learn and figure stuff out and design some cool stuff. It's rad to see when pro snowboarders take advantage of the position and actually can learn something that they can take and have a career afterwards, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think they, they should do more so. Yeah. I mean, especially if, if it's, you know, the, there's time that for them to come in and it's not going to, everybody in the office yeah. isn't going to have to like, stop what they're doing to cater to some pro snowboarder. Get involved and learn a career, though. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think, I mean, I kind of saw that early as, like, I have to have some skills coming out of this because this is not a, a long career, even though it, for me it actually did end up being a quite a long career. Um, so I knew I'd need to have some skills coming out of it, and I already had, like, creative stuff. I Everything was, like, so, like, my eyes were wide open. Oh, oh designer, I want to design something. Oh, graphics, I want to design graphics. Oh, layout, like, you know, ads, I want to do advertising. Like, so I just had so much interest in all of it. And would Shooting just, like, photos, go sit even. in with um, Tom, um, Campbell and, and everybody just kind of like, okay, what are you going to do for this ad? Okay, can I sit in and watch you guys? Like, just everything, like, just learning the programs. And so I'd take classes in Photoshop and Illustrator, um, learn, the, learn how to actually do the things proper and not just on a napkin. And unfortunately, too, like, growing up, like, my dad's an engineer and computers early and before, like, kind of home computers were around. So I kind of had a little bit of... Um, knowledge around computers already, so it's a little bit quicker for me to pick up some of those programs early on. Uh, jumping forward, we'll get back into snowboard stuff, but you you went on to get a job designing uh, Dekine's outerwear when they launched their outerwear. Um, how how did you like that? Question number one, and also question number two: You were behind the scenes, like you were a designer forward to kind but it wasn't you weren't necessarily consumer facing like you you were uh kind of laid laid low like oh peter designed this but like it wasn't it wasn't narrated to the public about that a lot was that a uh, choice to stay kind of behind the scenes intentional and did you enjoy just being a full-time designer so um the, the kind gig that came up um about a year after they shut down forum and foursquare so at the very kind of end, it was um, I was coming coming in to be kind of creative director for Foursquare again. Um, started already doing new designs, working with um, those guys over there, um, and then they shut the whole thing down, including Forum, which I didn't expect. Foursquare, I kind of knew was coming because after a while, communication stopped um, on my designs and everything. I was like, oh, this is not a good indicator. So I kind of like, and I kind of knew like the clothing brands weren't doing as well as Forum over at Burton. So I was like, okay, I can see them doing, shutting down the clothing stuff. But Forum came out complete blue. And so at that point, I was like, okay, what the fuck do I do next? Okay, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about Bub's Naturals. Now, first things first, the coolest thing about Bub's 
is the fact that it's owned by snowboarders. So it's uh, snowboarders for snowboarders. You know, they support the show. So might as well support them. With that being said, uh, Jeremy, you broke both of your legs in an avalanche a few years ago, and I know you used some some bubs for your road to recovery. How did it help? It grew my bones back. I mean, straight up. I had the doctor, you know, at two years in, tell me I needed another surgery, bigger rods. Uh, the bone wasn't going to grow back. I didn't like the sound of it. Um, I got on the bubs consistent, and over the course of two years, I grew a ton of bone back, enough for my right leg to remodel and and do its thing and become strong again. Uh, awesome skin. Um, you know, my nails grow like crazy. Uh, joints move smooth. I mean, it, it lubed me up good. I notice when I don't take it, I mean, immediately really. Cool. Well, it's a, it's a protein powder. So how do you, how do you take this stuff? I mean, however you want. I prefer it in, in tea, coffee, um, smoothies. Smoothies is my favorite. That's kind of the morning jam. And, uh, but really the, the protein powder is tasteless. So you could even do it in water. I don't recommend that. There's better ways. It's just more enjoyable. I like it with a little coffee. Yeah. That's the way to go. And if you're interested in picking up some bubs, uh, 10% of all profits go to charity, which is cool. But you can head on over to bubsnaturals.com. Use promo code BOMBHOLE, all lowercase. Again, promo code BOMBHOLE at bubsnatural.com for 15% off. All right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about some socks. Jed rides them. Jill Perkins rides them. And I ride them. Of course, you know I'm talking about Stance. If you've ever had a pair of socks with that icon logo on the ankle, then you know about Stance socks. Stance is making some of the most comfortable and creatively designed socks and underwear for the snowboarding community for a while now. Lately, their designers have been bringing the same winning formula to clothing. We're talking joggers. We're talking hoodies, hats, and tees. Toe-to-head comfort and creativity. Head on over to stance.com now and use promo code THEBOMBHOLE, all caps. Again, that's promo code THEBOMBHOLE in all caps to save 20% off your first order. You know that socks are a great gift. Holidays right around the corner. Everybody loves socks. Anyway, head on over to stance.com. Use promo code THEBOMBHOLE for 20% off. Mark Welsh hit me up. Um, nice. He's like, hey, the guy, the guy needs a new designer over there. They're, they have good quality stuff, but they just have not been able to kind of keep a, a designer in there. They've been around for two years. I think they had like four designers or something in that period of time. And the stuff was whatever. Um, the quality was good. I, I mean, that was kind of the first thing. It was like, hey, cool factory, good factory. Um, and got interviewed by um, Mike Madlitter. Flew me down to SoCal where their offices were at the time. Um, basically, you sat at his desk, and he's just a talker. And so he's an awesome dude. But, so Mike hits me up, flies me down there. We have a long conversation. I show him some of my kind of design ideas for the kind that I kind of pre-drew up of uh, pieces and kind of direction of the brand um, with their apparel or their outerwear apparel. And so with the kind, it's just like, okay, I'm not designing shit for myself. I'm not designing Foursquare stuff. Dekine's been an established brand. They have kind of a, a look with their um, packs and bags, luggage, gloves, and like their 
successful line branding already to kind of design something that is to kind, but kind of stepping up and kind of creating something there. And so like kind of what I saw just kind of is kind of a little bit of classic type feel to it, but with a technical, um, technical touch. So everything's kind of the best features, the highest in kind of technical features, but kind of still have a classical outerwear type feel opposed to kind of going super out there, the most craziest modern looking pieces. Um, so I was, did that for eight years. Um, the first two years were a huge success. Um, just kind of taking it from what it was to what the real kind apparel, everyone kind of like, okay, I see it now. Awesome. And then part two, I was kind of asking is, did you choose to kind of stay behind the scenes? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, with the kind thing, I was kind of out of my career. I wasn't really filming or anything anymore. Um, and that was a whole different contract. Like, we made that clear. It's like, I'm getting hired here to be your designer. Um, if you want to promote me and mm-hmm. use me as a team writer or some sort of ambassador of some sort, it's kind of a different contract. That was kind of what was negotiated with mine because, like, if they want to start using you for other things, that's a different contract. Smart. Yeah, that's real smart. Smart. Now, I have a question, too. If you, with the way you are with your video parts in your career, you're really, like, it seemed like you wanted to be the best. You wanted to, you really pushed yourself. Did you have that same thought process going into, like, being a designer? Well, it wasn't about being the best by any means. It was about being the best, I mean, it's kind of sort of cheesy, just being the best I could uh, or something, just kind of pushing to my own expectations of myself opposed to trying to, because I never expected to be the best. I never wanted, to, you know, I wasn't ever expected, so I wasn't even a, kind of a thought to be the best. I mean, I always knew I had kind of a creative look on things and I can kind of establish my own path in that way, but I would say I just kind of wanted to influence and progress the sport in all different ways. Um, but yeah, best was never a thing. It was always about kind of self-best of just like walking away and like thinking, okay, you did you did good here. Did I stick my trick? Did I do all I could? Did I, did I after I land my trick, did I just go sit down and just watch everybody else or I just try something new, try something new? So it's always about just trying something new to get the another trick, another trick, another trick for the day or for the shoot. Buds, you know what I think it's a good time for? It's time for Name That Video Part. Let's see what he's got here. Memories. Not the best on this one, but you're uh. the best. Okay, it's time to take a quick break, talk to you guys about the Icon Pass. Our season of fun is fast approaching, Stony Buds. Yes, it is. From the East Coast to the West Side, across Canada, up European Alps to Japan and beyond, the language barrier has just been broken. To turn up the fun factor, the Icon Pass welcomes three new legendary destinations to its family of mountains. Chamonix in France, Sun Valley, Idaho, and Snow Basin right here in Utah. Starting at only $269 adult, the Icon Pass Session 2-day and the Icon Pass Session 3-day offer a range of affordable entry points. It's time to bring the stoke in and get ready to let the joy out. With an Icon Pass in hand across 50 of the best mountains in the world, head on over to IconPass.com. All right, Peter. How are we feeling on Name That Video Part? Confidence level 0 through 10. 2. 2. 
That's fair. Is it only by music? It's just music. You just you don't get to watch. No the visuals. <laughs> Maybe Chris can throw some hand moves. At yeah, you. I'll do. I'll do the hand <laughs> gestures of the trick. If, if you could do the finger gesture of the trick going on during that. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Like some Salaznik. It's a hatchet song, maybe. I feel like I know the movie, so that means it's old. You, why don't you take a stab, bud? The movie. Take a, take a stab at the movie. As, uh, Was it a big mountain park? Because I definitely fast forwarded that. Well, nope. Is it is it H three or is it New Kids on the Twalk? Yes, oh, I thought that was, so. That was the thing about New Kids on the Twalk is. I couldn't find that video anywhere. Really? So I never watched that one. Really? Dude, I love it because they talk a lot. There's you know, a lot of personality that was, in that Everyone's movie. like, dude, have you seen the quiz of talk? It's like, dude, it's like, I know. It's like, but the way I do is like, I would go to my local snowboard skate shop, rent the video. Yeah. I had a beta cassette or a beta player that plugged into a VHS and record it because when you had the v- two VHSs together, um, it'd be scrambled. But if you had a beta, it, the scramble wouldn't work. And so I actually could rip my own videos. So you're bootlegging over there. But I couldn't, they didn't have new kids that's walked around. Oh, a lot of people were calling him bootleg Bill back then. <laughs> so I feel better now that I actually wasn't super familiar with you that. Should, well, you should I, I got one, one. So I'm going to just take all the blame off of myself and you can blame Eddie Wall for that because I asked Eddie what part I should do. He said you should do something from New Kids on the Twalk so you can take that up with him. Oh, I will. Man, is that a good movie too? I think uh, I would like to request that our viewers and listeners revisit New Kids on the Twelve. That's the that, it would so have been my favorite for the for the people listening uh, or the, the that know that part. It's the Ender section when they go to Mount Hood. Yes, so they're they're uh, they're destroying Mount Hood. Destroying. It's it. a kind of a montage. And for part two of name that video part, this is for our listeners, Peter. You might actually know it though, um, but they guess. And they get a prize pack. We pick the answer on the Instagram photo of Peter on our Instagram page when his episode comes out. So here we go. Such dogger rock. <laughs> dogger rock. <laughs> Thank you guys for playing and hitting that video. <laughs> I'm not supposed to guess that one. Dogger Rock. Dogger Rock. He needs to make like a C. I put out an album, not a CD, I guess. A Spotify list that's called Dogger to, Rock. He needs to put out tape. a tape. Yeah, a cassette tape cassette called Dogger tape Rock. tape called Dogger Rock. All right, Peter, we actually forgot to give you our uh, B-hole prize pack here. <laughs> it's uh, from our friends at Yeti. They give us this, uh, I think it's called the Carry-All, and it's filled with some bombhole merch there. Um you know, you can rock it uh, at the beach. I, uh, um, I see the color you guys picked out, especially for me. Yeah, yeah. I, wouldn't black I know you're a big pastel guy. You sounds like <laughs> you mentioned a lot in this yeah, show. You did. Big corduroy guy. Yeah, you can critique our design work. We didn't have rip any it to shreds. What do you What do you got? Coffee mug guy. We didn't have any uh, super non resi tip hats to give you, unfortunately. We a, yeah, we don't have any anti resis. So. Oh, towel. We got a towel. Little slow type. Oh, we got we got some run through wall smelling salts. You ever tried those? And are you interested? Uh, are they anything like bath salts? No, uh, no they're, they're not. Tried like those either, but <laughs> I don't really feel like eating the face off of anybody. Yeah, I don't want to turn into a zombie today and uh, <laughs> eat your foot or something. Thank you for the prize pack, guys. Welcome. All right, so let's go back to where we were just at snowboarding wise. So you were we were go- kind of going resistance, and then you went true life, and another great part. 
Um, and then there is kind of like that the like gray area. I don't know if that was was did Burton own Forum when that came out? I don't remember. But, <laughs> but I was all, I always wanted to know this. Was it like two thousand five? I think is when Burton kind of took over. Um, it was like when MacDog left Forum. Um, I think it was after Pulse, I believe. So it was like. Resistance, True Life, or full on Mac Dog four movies, and then after that, it started kind of getting kind of yeah. There's video gangs, and there is getting something. And Dogger left, and then we brought in different directors from like I don't know, Kearns and Johnson, Pettit, Jared Eberhard did some creative stuff and got into kind of his video world. Um, starting with like I believe that or video gangs or something. Um, and then what? Well, they, I was there's kind of this there there's, there's always non questions. <laughs> yeah, we we keep it vague. We keep it keep vague. Keep it vague. So there's you know going through the timeline. What I was kind of getting at, it almost seemed like there was like a dip in your writing from from like where you had some stuff in video gangs and some of the derelictica films and and that. But then there was like this resurgence when former against them came around, where you jump back in the streets and you did the first uh, Miller flip on that pole and the switchback three into the artillery where you started pioneering some street tricks. Uh, what was the, what, what was, what's up with the, the arc of the career? What was up with that? Uh, there's probably a few things within there. Um, it all kind of culminated into becoming kind of just that, um, that right after resistance did my knee. And then right after I like the first couple of days back from my knee, I broke my elbow um, so I had kind of smaller part in true life because of that. And then just kind of having a little more fun on the outside of snowboarding, having a little bit, probably little insecurities of my riding with seeing all these other good kids coming up and still kind of wanting to prove myself, um, kind of more concentrating on just kind of getting certain tricks out, um, instead of having a full video part type of thing. Um, Possibly my writing, writing might have gone down a little bit. Um, and then kind of, I've always had like a few shots at least um, in those videos and then up to former again, some kind of, I did have my kind of full formal retirement um, and like the interview in Trans World. Uh, that was kind of, yeah, that was the, when Forum came out with the rainbow board again. It was kind of right around there, I think. Um, and then kind of just watching the kids do the new kind of street street riding where it's less rails because I was never really into street rails. Um, just didn't really have the fun to me doing rails. Um, just a personal thing um, to where I just kind of like always getting air, or getting air sounds so cheesy. <laughs> like always like just jumping and it's kind of the feeling of all that as in the snowboarding and less so of just kind of um, street rails. But then seeing some of the, the kind of new urban type of riding with the wall rides and all those other gaps and stuff like that was really intriguing to me to kind of look at that type of riding landscape in a new creative kind of way that kind of where my career was before when it kind of came in to kind of re-look at it all again. Um, in my 30s, I think, former against him came out. But I, mean, I was... Urban free riding, huh? Yeah. And so, like, the wall ride um, up in Quebec... Uh, switchbacks three or switchback two seventy onto it. Um, I think Tim that, Pierre sent us a photo of that, huh? 
that's a different photo, but it's, it's different. Uh, that time it's at the ar- artillery in uh, Quebec City is what it's called. Uh, that spot's called Alt- gotcha. artillery. Yeah, I mean that was a zone that I think was like one of my kind of first trips um, to kind of getting into that stuff, and so I was kind of watching the other guys. I know Stevie Bell was there and Nick Save and some other dudes, kind of like, okay, I'm just gonna watch them, kind of see what see what the kind of the deal is, and, and so they kind of had that set up into that drop into the kind of slanted wall and Stevie was checking it out and he's regular footed. And so I was kind of chatting with him and going, I, I can see you kind of like an alley switch back to 70 and that. And like, I was thinking this, but I don't know. Um, I think I already had like a front side 180 into it. And then he's just like, uh, I don't think so. You're not going to do that. I was like, can I do it? Like, switch. He's like, I think I can do a switch. <laughs> and so kind of just lining it all up because it's a little bit banked coming in flat, it's going to need a little, little tiny takeoff, just firm so I don't slip out or anything, but I got, in order to get on the wall, got to kind of get pretty upside down in order for my base to f- hit flat, otherwise I'm going to come in and just kind of, you know, tail on it, that's not really going to work out, um, and then got that one kind of second trick, and then there's a few other features around there, kind of kept on hitting up a little um, Miller flip off that little drop, and then like a backside 270 wall ride, Another one, um, it's just like, boy, this is fun stuff. Like, I kind of just dig those kind of new creative thing. I kind of were going back again to, like, the backside three up onto the wall. Just like, okay, this is different ways of looking at stuff and, like, what kind of new tricks can I add to this? And for coming kind of back from not having a full video part for a while and then having that one is like, and then even getting kind of voted as one of the best parts of the year or whatever like that, it's like, whoa, all right, I was able to, come back again and do it again and i mean at the kind of ender ending of my career is one of my favorite parts that was great that That's was great cool. uh, another trick uh, as you're talking i totally forgot to mention switch back or butter to switch back five butter to switch back seven in the leather jacket on a park jump at hood uh that was kind of early days butter pioneering there do you know the timeline were you the first or what, one what of the year first was that Resistance. What year would we say? I'm not sure. 2000, 2001. Mm. I want to say Ninja J. Isaacs. Uh, yeah, that was definitely one I didn't. Is the butter, not butter ball. by any means. Copy. I saw KJ do um, like a butter off of a, a jump. Like a, it's a butter three off a jump um, in Japan. And like, well, this is kind of a possible thing to take even bigger. So it's just kind of one of those progression things where you kind of learn from something and kind of take it to the next level of stuff. And, even before that, people were kind of buttering off cat tracks and stuff like that. Um, I I mean, personally, I think butters off jumps can actually have even f- further evolution than just the kind of the knuckle jumps that we're seeing now, which are amazing. But even the kind of butters off of takeoff, I can almost see kind of Cleveland, Marcus Cleveland doing even new types of spins and kind of leverage that you can get from actually popping off your nose or tail in certain ways to kind of create different tricks these days in modern, modern riding that we'd love to see stuff like that. There's a really low key trick that not very many people have seen from Red Bull recharge. When we were there, Judd Henke's comes up to face this jump mm. and he does a butter and it's basically a front 10 double. But the way he initiates it, he does like a nose butter to switch back nine double. But it's like he's not even at 180 when he goes off the lip. Like it's like a nolly, but like it's like steep. And but it was it's kind of it was crazy. And it it hasn't really we haven't seen that much. Uh, Yeah, I think there's there's 
way more variations of just kind of the way you take off in a Star Wars because at the beginning it's like flat base, straight air, toe edge, backside, toe edge, front side, or heel edge, front side. Um, but then like to be able to get these weird pops off this, this, this part of your tail or like even like nollie type stuff um, off of takeoffs can recreate a lot of weird things. And even just kind of like the pressure you have on your tail or nose can put you into different kinds of spins that are different than how you would normally flat take off or off your edges. I think there's still variation out there. I think the knuckle stuff is amazing. Like, and fucking sketchy. Like if you kind of come around and catch that toe edge and that landing, you're going fast. Well, yeah. Judd was hauling doing that. Like it was scary to watch. Well, in that same vein, uh, Zeb tried to do a backside one, caught his heel edge and did a perfect back oh, rodeo. Yeah. <laughs> but that brings me to a question about you. Do you have tricks since you're such an innovator and you're obviously still, you know, think there's directions that could go. Did you have some tricks like the one that got away? Mm. Um, always. I mean, double corks, I never really got into trying, even though some of my some of my attempts at um, when I was kind of doing some of this stuff started going into that direction of some falls or whatever. Like, oh, just looking at it, like, dude, I could go into double. And I think some of those ones were like, I'll do that next year and just just never really got it. And then, I mean, it's just, it's kind of one of those things where if you don't see it for some fucking reason, we don't think it's possible or something like that. And like, there's a kind of, there's a theory right now. It's like, imagine snowboarding in 10, 20 years from now. What are the tricks we're going to be doing? We don't know. But the, the athleticism of the kids riding today are going to be able to do the, or can do those same exact tricks that are going to be done in 20 years right now. But they just don't know what those are yet. If they're, uh, you know, it's, it's all feasible right now, right now. But we just don't know because we haven't seen somebody else do it before us type of a thing. So if you have that kind of creative imagination, you can do whatever's going to be possible in 20 years. If you can step it up to like giving your head, just like from this trick to this trick to this trick to this trick to this trick, how do you do it? Like, kind of like and Zeb then, in Cleveland, you know, they're, they're doing it. I haven't watched Zeb ride in person by her. It's, it's, kind it's of crazy. A fun thing to watch yeah. in person. Like I can have my opinions. I've just seen videos of stuff of him, but I think his, where he comes in is watching him ride in person. And it's pretty cool to watch riders like that. Terrier, not saying I'm judging Zeb to Terrier. Sorry, Zeb, but it's Terrier. Watching him ride in person compared to seeing him in the videos is hands down crazy. Like at that time, like the first time I ever saw him was when I was amateur nationals at um, Stratton right before the U S open. And it's like, he's the same age as me, just some little kid just going huge doing like just double pokes. I swear there's one shot of him or one time seeing him where there's a photographer on the lip standing there and he does your backside indie. Todd Richards back said, Andy, um, where he, po- <laughs> where he pokes in front of the guy's head and then pokes after the guy's head, just like, <laughs> wow. Because the guy, like everyone else, is going really small, and then Terry is just boom at like 15 or 16 years old um, out there. And then just later on, my career is riding with him, um, Tahoe, and she's like, just, just watching behind him, his edge control, just like boom, and just the speed is pop, and it's always obviously like, is this coming from so like when you see the difference between like kind of an amateur and a pro at that kind of level even with terry at the time just seeing the difference between 
Terry A Pro and this me or anybody else pro I've been riding with is is light years different. It's insane to see that. Just talking about tricks, you're going back, you know, you're such an innovator and you know, you mentioned people are gonna be doing tricks in twenty twenty two. I'm I'm really curious as to if you have any direction in which particularly you think they should go. Like jump tricks particularly. The worry, I think, was more a few years ago to kind of keep snowboarding in um, kind of the, I guess, cool grab, make it look good, keep style involved. That was kind of a thing where, like, we took from those before us. We kind of kept that cool method of dope, backside of Wendy's, cool. Um, you got to grab your board if you're going to spin, or if you don't grab your board, you got to still kind of make it look fucking dope, like a Mark Frank type of shit or something like that, to where that was kind of like, we got to make sure this stays in here. And then now that's set in stone. And so the, the worry of the progression of snowboarding getting cheesy or kind of aerial um, ski type stuff, I think is gone to where all the progression already has that established um, as a foundation of what the, the cool tricks are going to be. And whatever the tricks are going to be, it's, I have confidence that they're going to still look good um, compared to the history of snowboarding. Awesome. I love that. I love that. I love been, I've been seeing some lately, the stuff that really jumps out at me is uh, people pushing the, the back rodeos in, in the direction where you can see like, you know, backside rodeo 12s from Marcus Cleveland, where mm. they're like, kind of the flat Andreas wig, like look over your back shoulder style. And then this dude, Ulrich uh, Bodge, I don't even know how you say his last yeah. name. It's like Bodge Slaughter or whatever. Sorry. Bodge Slaughter. And, and uh, he does like like a flat back rodeo and then falls into another one. And I, I'd like to see, I always pictured, I've always pictured this trick and I don't know if anybody's done it or maybe I've, I've, I haven't seen it, but like I feel like people can do like, like imagine um, like you go off a jump and you do switch front 180 off the jump. And then you just fall into a back rodeo seven or like back three. And then as you get to back three flat, you throw your head. I just would like to see, I feel like seeing things like that would be really cool to see the air awareness go crazy in that direction. I'm trying to picture that right now. Um, it's gotta be more like an indie style, like, well, the, with, the yeah, with the backside rodeo, there's, there's definitely different styles. I mean, when you brought up Terry A's backflip backside 180, then you go, through mine and then you go to Andreas wig and then in some other ones where it's kind of just almost flat and you take off style or like even like a Murphy flip or whatever, where it's a little bit late and there's different styles and variations to where like, okay, which one is backside rodeo, which one's new, what is backflip or whatever. Um, and then that's how I think kind of the progression works too. Sometimes it's like, you're just doing it a little bit different than the next guy, but that just slight different rotation that, is happening can turn into something different and just exaggerate that in a different way. Um, I mean, I can see it's where it kind of weird flat type spinning where it's the, the, where you're not doing a backflip, but you're kind of almost doing it sideways almost. Mm -hmm. Whereas, I don't know. Where like a Daniel instead, Frank instead of Todio. Kind of, quirky kind, of kind of having these multi dimensional spins, it's kind of like, almost like kind of some skiers kind of do that. So I, a lot of stuff I would watch skiers too and things is how they're doing things differently. Like whether it's actually how they're different. doing it or just how I'm perceiving can mm. kind of jog something like, oh, maybe you can do something like that on this thing. Let's see it. Like I'm excited. <laughs> I'm Let's excited. see it. Especially, I mean, like, 
more spins, like everyone's like, oh, that's, that's the, how can they any more spins they can do? It's like, well, they're going to still do more spins. But I also see like variations within the spins. I mean, they do a lot of the shifty stuff in there, but I think there's still kind of more fun variations uh, within spins where it might start out like, in a backside rodeo. And then once you kind of get into going into the second cork, it could be almost kind of drop into something different and do a rewind at the end. Because a lot of times you stop your motion your board's coming around, it's like, almost feels like, oh, I, I can actually rewind this, it'd be a little bit easier. Like, I mean, Pat Moore did one, like, on a, on a quarter pipe, where he did the, yep. the cool laid out McTwist, but then you can also just kind of revert around when you start doing all this stuff a little bit different, and your weight kind of just shifts, and you drop in differently, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that was pretty sick. Okay, we have a guest question from none other than Eddie Wall. Here we go. Mm. Oh, Grenier, Eastone, all the bomb hole listeners. Eddie Wall here. How are you? Peter Line. Here's my guest question. Genius. Tell us about the beginning of Genius, what your involvement was. I think you were involved with it a lot more than a lot of people knew. Uh, I know Jared Eberhardt, Evan Rose, Tara Dikidis, and Kevin Jones had a ton to do with it, obviously. Um, but I think uh, I want to hear about your involvement. And uh, there was even rumors at one point that you were going to leave for him and ride for Genius. Were those true? Tell us about the origins of that brand. Also, thank you for over 20 years of friendship, for giving me an autograph when I was 16, for being my best man, and for just being an amazing mentor over all the years. I love you, buddy. Hope you guys have an amazing interview. See ya. Aw, yeah, Eddie. A nice guy. Love you too. Eddie's the best. Everyone, everyone says that. I don't think anybody's ever said anything bad about yeah. Eddie. How could you? He's just there to talk to you. I mean, you can that guy's too nice. Yeah, exactly. Like he's too nice for me because he sit there and meet. We'll meet somebody and we're going somewhere, and then he just starts chatting with them for like, a, like, dude, we gotta go. <laughs> he's there for a half hour. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, and I'm not much the chatter person. Uh, genius. Um, the oranges or the origins of genius. The oranges. Um, the oranges. So that one, I think it was about bringing on Kevin Jones and Tara, but knowing that they're kind of two big names for forum. So it's kind of like going back to the special blend four square thing where they're bringing on two riders. Like, well, just, just do another, another thing. And so with that one was always kind of in my head, a little bit more of my kind of personal design take creativeness involved with that one, which I totally did want to ride for. Um, But they didn't let me because form was kind of more established as Peter line brand or whatever. Just, I'm just, it's too late. I'm already kind of branded as form and that makes sense. I get it. But I mean, I, I still did all like the help and worked on that whole project, the little Yan Yan, which is a little smiley face. That That's called the Yan Yan? In-house name for it, I think. Um, but I think I was actually trademarked under my name originally. I the logo is. I had to talk to the US STC, no, USP, Trademark and Patent Association, whatever, um, about that. And it's actually in my name, so that's kind of funny. So I'm like, this is a little, I don't even know how old I was then, but it was kind of like, it felt so important. But yeah, it would be work on kind of forum and four square stuff in the office in the summer times. Um, and then Jared Eberhardt, who's the kind of creative director, art director over there. Uh, we'd work on Genius when the, uh, everyone left the office and just kind of work for a few more hours after after 5 o'clock on that thing. And so that was just kind of creating all these little kind of 
characters from the Yan Yan guy. So like on one of the graphics, you see like different different styles of faces, from like you know, clown face to. Um, I'm right now. I'm only thinking the ones that got cut because they're too bad. Like I want to bring up right now. Um, and so it was just kind of like all this kind of fun, weird stuff, and then kind of played the little animations type stuff, and then it's kind of had this weird brand. Um, and we kind of brought it to Raw, calling it genius, just kind of the same ironic, making fun of herself type thing, and then that's where he's like, needs to be spelled differently to kind of basically say that in its own name. Um, and then, yeah, putting Tara and and Kevin on there. So their first ad was them signing this giant contract. And so it was kind of the thing about that time is like we got riders, we're doing contracts. So we want to kind of seem like we're the corporate overlords type of joke type of a thing. Um, but it was, it was super fun and we should have, could have lasted a little bit longer. Um, Evan Rose came on and did an amazing job at the last couple of years of that. But yeah, that was kind of just a fun kind of creative outlet on that realm and we made some really funny products and catalogs that are like the old school kids books that are like thick cardboard style map board the team was insane yeah you guys there's a cool KJ Andreas Wig Eddie Wall it just didn't have time Tara. to really develop I guess huh yeah and I wrote a genius board for like one shot in one of the videos yep oh, you did. yep you did we have a photo of it in Canada yep. I actually landed on a rock I spun off and kind of trajected the wrong way, landed on a rock based on my base. So luckily, you know, it wasn't anywhere else. But it was one of those things where you're like, dude, you need to fucking chill out or like concentrate more or make sure you got, because this is just, if you didn't land on your base, that would have went bad. Been really bad. And so that was kind of maybe another thing like, all right, maybe I won't write for genius now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just blame it on the board. Had to be the board. Yeah. Hey, I got another Patreon question before we get off forum. This is from Danielle Rittman. Who would your modern-day forum mate be? Well, it's a hard-hitting question. It's a hard-hitting question. Well, I mean, we might kind of get into that when we start talking about the new forum, but basically it's not going to be about well, let's new say, like, not so, money, yeah, yeah. no so money this, constraints. This has, nothing to, this has nothing to do with new forum, new forum because new forum is different than, yeah. than old forum, and forum 8 is old forum, and forum 8 in the future is I don't think is the same. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a one-time thing. I mean, my favorite snowboarder right now of the kids is uh, Marcus Cleveland, easily. Um, Haldor has always been one of my favorite favorite riders as well. Um, but there's so many good kids out there. And then just like like the Forum 8, I'd love to just kind of find like the new young kids who are going to be the most progressive, the most ones who can kind of change snowboarding for an awesome you know experience for anybody else. Like, like how almost kind of Scott Stevens created his own style of snowboarding that's amazing and technical and crazy. But even though it's not like the big double corks off of everything, it still has its own qualifications for being some of the most progressive snowboarding out there. Yeah, it's just as impressive mm -hmm. as the biggest thing ever. You see him do it, and you're just like, wow. So, yeah, to go along with the Kung form Fu, eight was kind stuff. of chosen as being the next best kids, the ones who are going to kind of push snowboarding in progressive ways. And so that would be kind of the same um, direction that I would do for another form eight is just kind of they wouldn't be the kids that it. made you jealous though I guess they'd just be the kids that blew not, your mind not anymore yeah not anymore um, you'd have to take a different approach 
Bring Bozong out of retirement. (laughs) Get him back on board. That's what I'd do. I think he'd be down. All right, buds. I think it's time for you know what? Gonna crack some can. Gonna crack some can, boys. So uh, buds is sipping on a pub beer. (sighs) Delicious. Cold. Cheap. Fun. Pub beer lager. Let's go, boys. Pub beer lager. If you're thinking about getting completely annihilated or just having one responsibly... Also getting annihilated responsibly. What are you going to choose, bud? I'm going to choose pub beer every time. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the pub beer crap shoot. Just roll those dice. Kids coming around the gate. Okay, six. This question sucks, but uh, did, what was the name <laughs> on we your... Can, we can roll again. <laughs> <laughs> roll it again. Roll it again. I'm, I'm editing this thing, so... <laughs> That one's that's a six and a yeah. Um, okay. I mean, we're going back in time with this one, but tell us a breakout moment that helped launch your career, Peter. Um, so instead of going to spring break in Mexico for my high school senior trip, I went to uh, Whistler to be a pipe digger for the first and only ride camp. And so with that, it was kind of like my first winter or, or first summer kind of up at the camps for a couple of weeks and kind of riding with pros. And I just got sponsored by D23 at the time and got the board sent up um, to Canada for me to ride there and just kind of meet, first time meeting Dale Rayberg and Jake Blattner and all that kind of crew, the ride guys. Um and just kind of having first photo shoots to a D23, me, Mark Morissette, and stuff like that. So just kind of my very introduction to kind of being the sponsored rider on that level was, I mean, I don't know what would happen on a spring break, but, I mean, that I've had a lot of spring breaks afterwards to make up for it, basically. So, And kind of the same thing with the, the summer before is when I was camper at uh, Wendell's, just meeting Heine. It's like, boom, that was it. Like, meet Heine once called me up the winter after started filming um and that kind of just extended my career from there on out well it's a perfect segue to a guest question that we have from none other than kurt heine oh here we go hey bombol this is kurt heine from vancouver washington i want to say thanks east stone and chris for killing it with such an entertaining podcast first off pete thanks for making my filming job so easy over the years Pete, you seem to land every trick first try, and you've had the best landing gear in the business. Pete, as you know, we spent a lot of times traveling together in the 90s. I've always tried to get you to go to the gym with me. You finally agreed to go lift weights with me. Within five minutes of arriving at the gym, you said, Kurt, I hate this, and you left. My question for you, Pete, is have you been to the gym since that day back in the 90s? Thanks, Bombo. Thanks, Pete. Can't oh, wait man. to hear this podcast when it comes out. <laughs> Thank you. Peace. Thank you, Kurt. Um, <laughs> what a legend. <laughs> yes. Uh, Kurt Heine was uh, the one filmer who filmed me more than anybody else in my entire career. I credit him with so much. Like He was the motivated um, one of the two of us, as you can kind of tell from the question, that my motivation sometimes lacks in kind of the uh, kind of 
pre-setup of anything. Like, so that involved going to the gym. That involved kind of searching for jumps, uh, building the jumps. I'm always like, that looks good enough. But Kurt's like, no, no, let's dial this thing in perfect. Let's make it perfect. Go bigger. It's like, I'm like, I don't want to dig anymore. And so the gym too, like I've, I've, Dogger brought this up also. Like, what the hell's up with the gym? Like, <laughs> I never went to the gym in my entire career. Like, I'd go a little bit of like, like preseason, but the same sort of thing. I'm like, just like, I hate this. And I, I don't know. Like, I had a mentality thing of like, you know what? I'm not going to go to the gym because I don't want to bulk up. It's going to make me heavy. I'm going to get hurt because I haven't gotten hurt so far. Um, just stay flexible is my kind of ethos of not getting hurt. Um, but I mean, I have gone to the gym, especially after injuries, rehab, but it, I don't like going to the gym. <laughs> and Kurt, he's a pretty, he goes to the gym. He shaves his chest and yeah. stuff. Yeah, he's like a first dude to take his shirt <laughs> off at the jump type of guy, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I can see that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he, between him and like JP and like their waxing and stuff like that. <laughs> you never wax? No. You didn't hit the wax? Well, I, you don't wax your, a, did you I've ever a, wax your chest? No. Yeah. I mean, I'm just the, curious. If yeah. He's with these guys. <laughs> yeah. We've all had the girlfriend who's like, try waxing once, and then you do it. Like, you never do it again. Strip and you're like, ah, yeah. and they film it or whatever, and that's funny. That's about it. That's what about, about the tanning? Guys like, like, you didn't go tanning bed? Tanning bed? No. Bud, do you ever go tanning bed? Never done tanning bed either. I mean, can I even be good I would have taken Peter as a tanning bed kind of guy myself. I mean, I'd probably have to go to the gym now, though, like. It makes a little more sense in my older age. Yeah, you got to get, I'm, you're going to be back out on the board flexible. more. Seems every time I go up riding now, I kind of do get hurt. And so it'll kind of prevent that, especially now doing the kind of new forum thing. I'm probably expected to kind of go out there expected. and ride with the kids a little bit more, not show them up, but maybe on a hip. Yes. Hip, hip, I still might kind of have something on some of these kids. I love to hear not, that. Not a ton of hips out there that kids practice on. So, What's the key to going huge on a hip? Yeah. Tell I don't us. know. It's a secret. I'm asking for a friend. Yeah, I'm asking Chris. for a friend. Yeah, I'm asking for a friend. All right. So. Fingers are coming out. So the hip is a crucial one. So I'm thinking just kind of straight hip, 90 degree kind of lane. Park hip kind of deal. I guess Park there's type hip. Yeah. So with that one, warm up, you can kind of go off the corner a little bit just so you don't deck out. And when you go smaller, you can kind of go a little bit more to, let's say, for me, backside, so the left a little bit. So off the corner, you can kind of go a little bit smaller, but as you go go faster, you're going to go farther down the line, so that trajectory needs to straighten out. And so as you kind of start inching your way up, so that the one big thing about hips, which I kind of like, is you don't need to go big first time. Like you do a tabletop, so you see a big tabletop, you got to send it first time to make the landing. Hip, you can just kind of just dark around, and then you like start feeling it, and you start like boom, boom. And then you start getting the kind of the locked-in mode, like, okay, I'm going to go big. And so you're just like all concentrations on that. One thing about when you start going big on a hip is there's other people riding it. They start kind of, they, they will go off to the left more than you want to go off to the left when you're going fast. And so they start making kind of a little bit of ruts. And so you kind of need to watch out for that. But basically you don't want to also kind of have your legs collapse underneath you from the kind of the pressure going up there with all that speed. So you bend your legs, lock them like really like firm, like they're not locked straight, but like they're bent, but they're like, and so you just can absorb all, this is the same thing with the kind of quarter pipe too, just so you don't kind of collapse, because if you collapse, you're just going to like, G out. Yeah, you're going to get blown out. Whatever. So you just kind of just inch, go bigger, bigger, bigger every time, 
go a little bit more straighter just down the line so you don't deck out. And just go as fast as you can. Don't ollie or anything because that also can make you kind of G.I. a little bit. Just firm, bent legs. Send it. And just go faster the next time. And it's and, nice. And when- then basically you want to be fucking scared every single time you're going bigger and bigger because the shots that you're not scared on aren't going to make the video. Yeah. And Bridges, you know, he used to, like, make people set the line and tap people off that were going off the slow way. Yeah, no, he is really good yeah. about that because at that point it's kind of a safety. A good session. It's a safety thing because you get It'll mess the last up the second, guys there's, going like, big. all these ruts and you just kind of get flung in. Yeah, you can see people's boards. Here's the hardest part of the hip. So this is the part that I'm trying to get figure out because to me, I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I've – Tapped out as a hip guy. We just you tap I'm tapped. Out. I'm tapped myself out. Yeah. But when I my my go is in there, you come in. You're going. You're hauling ass. You're like, okay, I'm not gonna turn. I'm not gonna turn. I'm not gonna speed check. I'm not gonna speed check. And then you get like you're like, I'm going fucking. Fa- I'm speed checking. And then like, <laughs> don't speed check. Don't speed check. Speed check. So like, what's the key to just not making yourself speed check? That's like oh, the that, warrior. That, I'm gonna say balls back, of steel. That goes back to your early days of snowboarding of speed checking in the first place. You, <laughs> you don't speed check. Don't speed there it check. is. You at least. People do, and yeah, I mean, that's everyone has their For me, it's always never speed check like on a quarter pipe or a hip and just hike up a little bit further next time, further next time. And so you gauge it, it's always the same speed, but you just go a little bit. You got to trust the process. Speed checking, you don't. I need I needed this lesson. Too much yeah. I think you got to trust the process because you know you're going to lose so much speed on the way mm-hmm. up. You just got to trust. Uh, the no speed checking this. is. is Really interesting though, of just whether quarter pipe or hip, you hike up, you don't turn, you just go straight. You know, it was interesting to me. Our last hip session, remember, like second go, one of those Japanese dudes went like as big as you can go almost. Yeah, when we were at like, Red Bull Rampage, there was no warm up. or no at yeah. Peace Park. Peace Park, there was no none of that warm up phase you were talking about. This kid was just like, <laughs> kids these days are good. Yeah, yeah. shot I mean, out of a cannon, shot out of a cannon. Like and they pop too. Go. The Japanese dudes pop. That's yeah, crazy. They yeah, were, no, they were I'm not. Big. I'm. Because I don't go to the gym, so my legs aren't super strong. Ah. So for me, I gotta just hold it. Hold it. But for someone has muscle legs, they can kind of pop a little bit because they're not gonna gee out of these. I'm willing to bet these guys are like training to get that big on the hip. It was crazy. Oh yeah, I mean, there was no warm up phase. It was just like, all right, we're going huge. It's on. There are kids going huge on hips. Yeah. Oof. Love hip sessions are also so fun to watch. Because everyone's there, we're hanging. The pedestrians are there. Who shot? Who shot the frontside invert on the Rutt. mammoth wall ride? Rut shot. That you got I the cover out. of. Rut, I guess it was Rut. Okay. I found out last night. Wonder about that. That my, was an uh, iconic one. I did a lot mm-hmm. of due diligence on that last night. I talked <laughs> to like seven photographers. Photographer or fur photographers? Fur photographers. Okay. You're the only fur photographer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, my, you're, no, you're a fur, you're a photographer too. Let's talk about. It. That's Let's a good segue. That's a yeah, great dude. segue. I don't have the fur though. This guy goes out. He gets himself a Hasselblad and just he gets a Hasselblanca. Bam, dude! Instant amazing photographer. Well, all the photo- the amazing photographers I was kind of learning from, like Rut um, and Tim and like all the guys in the past. Yeah, I mean, you had a crew of staff. Because a lot of times, I mean, the whole photography thing came about was knowing Photoshop really well already. Um, and then doing these photo shoots and I'd end up kind of directing the kind of creative around it for whatever it was for an ad. or, And so I, the only thing kind of missing is just learning to take the photos myself. Yeah. Right? And I wasn't really into the action stuff and everyone kind of had the Canon or Nikon. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of wanted to purposely set myself to not be able to shoot that way and have something a little bit different. And so even the equipment right there could be a little bit different. And so with the Hasselblad uh, medium format, it's a, bigger file size and you can kind of go in and play with it um in photoshop a lot easier 
So a lot of my photos, probably as you guys will show, it's a little more kind of composite of all different stuff. So it's a little more of an artwork um, piece than an actually photograph. Well, and dude, the shoots stood out so much. The ones in uh, the product ones in Snowboarder hey, Mag. Did you work for Snowboarder? Because there was a he, lot of products. They hired them to yeah. do the, yeah, I did, the series. The I season. did product photos for Snowboarder and then um, some interviews for different magazines. This guy over here helped me shoot um, some with Hana. That's right. Huge help. Did the, uh, his photo, his behind the scenes photos are just as good as my photos, if not better. That's Buzz? right. I assisted. Just Dude, I assisted his, he's got the eye. <laughs> I was his assistant. <laughs> Bud, just remember this. Just now. remember. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are cool assistant. photos. Dude, what, I remember the uh, the one where you had like the meat packaging and it was product wrapped up though, like put on ice. Like just such sick ideas. The one where you had all the dudes dress up as, to wear the women's stuff. Uh, lipstick, makeup, Bodie, all dressed up. Matt Morris, Scott Stevens. Just very memorable shots, like really, really cool ideas. They kind of just let you do your thing, huh? Just Yeah. No, it's it super yeah. fun. Like, with anything kind of like that, that, the column, um, any board graphics. Peter's it's, colon. I like doing this stuff, but I would never do it if I didn't have to do it for somebody else. Yeah. Like if it's for myself, I'd dork around, get to a certain part, and then just leave it and move on to the next thing. But if I actually had like a deadline or like a project, or getting paid for something. Yeah, I liked it more because it made me do it, and it made me actually complete it, um, and the whole learning process and all that stuff. Like it made it worthwhile to actually do it for somebody else. Because for myself, I don't care. I don't care about that stuff. Yeah, and he really did stuff that stood out, which was really cool. It was very respectable. Explain what uh, Peter's colon was yeah. for the people that Why aren't did familiar. You call it colon. Uh, well, I think Peter's colon because column, and you take a couple things in here and add a couple things or whatever <laughs> so it turns colon. into a colon and that's just another thing too is making fun of myself this is the shit that comes out or the shit in my head peter's colon ah. um and then so that one too is like i want to write for a magazine just because i i write weird shit sometimes and but i don't finish it doesn't it's not a complete sentence mostly but for that just kind of presented like hey can i write for you guys even if it has nothing to do with snowboarding so I did an entire column about carrots or something, you know, and so it was just an outlet and it was fun to do and you'd be just late, late night writing this stuff and in the morning I'd go read it again I'm like, ooh, and fix a little bit and do some pictures or whatever. But Were you at night before the deadline type of guy? That's what Bridges a, said. I was a night. Oh, he was? <laughs> I was a night week after the deadline. Ah, week after. So was Bridges, too, though, from But what he I knew hear. that, though. Yeah. I, I actually I think I intentionally do tell me. They it's lie. Due they lie on the deadline. A week or two yeah. before it's due. Because then in my head, I don't even know when it's due because you're just telling me, but I already told you this, but I don't know if you're telling me if you forgot. And so at least it'd still work. And so if I was a couple days late, it's still so right. Headline. They do that with the photos for me as well. They tell me. Oh, a stu- that's a study buds yeah. and Peter. Do they situation. actually do that to advertisers too? Just to make sure they're going to have all their ads. They give you a full lie on what the schedule is. Yeah. I'm, These guys I'm, are liars, man. It takes me three times longer than I think it's going to take me to do anything. Yeah. Anything. So it's, I always have to like, okay, this is due then. Okay. I have to have it. So you wouldn't start it the night before. You would actually be working. Best on ideas come the night before. A deadline. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Peter's colon ran for ten years, dude. Dude, I love that one. I, I read him. Fifteen. Fifteen. Oh, so, I don't know. So I could be wrong. Bridges said second longest uh, published. T- I don't know. Next writer, to genuine draft or something. Next to Bridges, whatever the shit he is. Genuine draft. Yeah, genuine draft. Yep. Wow. Second longest. I guess. Dude, props. Peter's colon long run. That's pretty impressive. And I tell you what, I enjoyed it. I would read it every issue. That was like. One of the ones you go to 
for me, maybe I'd go to the photo section first, and then when I started reading it, bam, I'd go to that call. So that makes you a journalist, too. And this like, guy's a journalist, Technically too. a journalist. A lot of hats. I guess so. I, I interviewed some people. So I'd, A lot of anti-resi did, tips. I did a lot of research. Head, and, you know what I mean? I did a lot of research about random stuff. I research that, stuff. That really has nothing to do with it. Like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's a cool fact. I'll put that in my column. Bridges like Something. said that you called him once and asked if you could do one on STDs, and then he's like, "Yeah, no, whatever, no problem." That was <laughs> it's, amazing. It's, yeah. it's, it's your colon. <laughs> yeah, it's. A, I think probably about fifty percent less snowboards at STDs that year. <laughs> <laughs> the facts. <laughs> that's uh. Those are that's uh. Data fact checks numbers yep. right there. Well, I think that brings us to the new rebirth. Uh, Re, what did we use Re, earlier? Rebirth works. Re, reboot. 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 Yeah, the reboot. I like reboot. The reboot of Forum. Das Tell boot. us about what's going on with Forum. Give us the rundown. And maybe what's going on, what's your role. Yeah. What should we expect? I mean, what's up? Nice. Way to get my vagueness out of that yes. question. Let's I appreciate go. that. <laughs> but um, people want to know, you know? Everyone's <laughs> asking questions. No one really knows what's up. Well, I think by the time this comes out, we will have launched our site forumsnow.com um before that we've been kind of doing a little teaser site loading next.online to kind of help bring a transition from the last 10 years into forum so instead of just kind of like boom here it is we're kind of like it has to grow a little bit it has to kind of come out of the darkness of where it was kind of sitting for a while because so it's kind of basically kind of loading you know it's like crash in there it's coming back you know and we didn't really kind of have much to kind of show it, um but we wanted to kind of let people know that there's it is it is coming back and we're going to be kind of a big part of snowboarding again um so it took a little while for us to kind of get this thing going and then a, a bit of a rush um but forms back kind of reboot of style we're not kind of we're not doing it as a nostalgia play um it's not about like what forum used to be it's kind of my thoughts is where forum would be right now if it had never kind of gone so kind of just pick up where we left off um and then with the whole kind of teams everyone's like oh, forum's all about team marketing and all that stuff like that's obviously going to be a huge play and something I'm really excited about. Like we don't have a team right now. We have our plan, but I kind of really feel that the team's going to be a huge part of this. And it's not going to be done the same way that kind of forum eight or, or even after that, the second forum teams and all that stuff. It's, it's I mean, the kids, the riders are going to kind of dictate everything. The, the, the This next generation is going to kind of, show the play on how we're going to do it. We're just going to kind of want to be there to be part of it and kind of hand it over to um, this new next generation of riders and kind of give them um, what I was kind of given. Like, this, like the opportunity I had um, in 97, 96, when this kind of all started was hands down amazing. And to have kind of a creative involvement in that was so much for me. And I think it really kind of, help snowboarding to have a voice coming from the actual riders um, more so than maybe a lot of other brands at the time. And so we want to kind of keep that going with the next forum, um, see what the next kids have. 
and just kind of kind of follow their path. So it could be form eight, could be form twenty, could be none at all. It could just be just a group of fun kids out there, kind of just choosing a direction of snowboarding that we kind of agree with and want to kind of help push. Uh, one of our Patreon members, Thomas Portet, says a lot of forum talk on the bomb hole, but never any mention of, or not never, but not much mention of Devin Walsh. What's up? Is he going to be any part of this? Um, I actually talked to Devin Walsh yesterday. Um, so with this whole launch of forum, um, the players from the old forum, Mac Dog, Jeremy Jones, and myself, um, as far as getting any other of the team involved, um, that's potential for the future. Not sure. Right now, we just want to kind of want to focus on this launch um, over at forumsnow.com. I don't know if I said that. I don't think you did. That's um, good to say, yeah, forumsnow.com. And then, yeah, like all the kind of fun behind-the-scenes news, we're still going to be doing at loadingnext.online, which is kind of like a little kind of side misty project. Um so kind of a little more kind of free free form and just kind of what's going on um, to kind of be up to date on what's coming next. And so if boards aren't already for pre-sale, though, you can go loadingnext.online and see about pre-sale stuff. But otherwise, check out the site. Are you doing the board graphics? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. You do the graphics. Yeah, I had the kind of vision for the graphics, kind of the whole vision kind of for this little launch. I'm working with Joel Brinson um, as kind of another creative director, art, art director. And he... He worked with Forum um, at the very end as well, our director over there. And so I kind of wanted to bring him back because we have some working history together that work really well. So we kind of just kind of combine our styles um, together. And so the line of boards that we have now, I did the graphics uh, with him as well, um, kind of just combining our styles. And we're going to have a park board in three different sizes and a free ride board in three different sizes. Um, both kind of influence off each other and the whole kind of launch branding together, kind of coming out of the whole glitch launch feel type of a thing and then moving from here into what form is going to become, which no one really knows. So you're not just following the trends and putting out a, a split board and a powder board and a quiver. You're just doing what you guys like and starting starting with a cool line. That makes sense. Well, I think, yeah, we got to keep, Form for what it is, yeah. and if it kind of grows into certain directions, um, that team, everybody involved, kind of feels the right direction. Like, yeah, let's go for it. You know, there's no kind of guidelines on what we kind of want to do, but kind of keep it focused on where we feel it can kind of best help the industry, help the sport, help the riders, help the kids out there, kind of get to the next level. Do you have a title? No titles over there. I think so. I would like that meme on the internet that was like the missing piece of snowboarding, and it's like the puzzle piece. Jeremy the puzzle piece. It. I think our catfish mm-hmm. made that meme. It's good stuff. It's, that guy does. There's good a stuff. lot. There's a lot out there. I'd read like, oh, that's so nice. That's yeah, cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, just the positive of the whole thing is pretty amazing. Patreon member Ethan Stone Fortier asks, "Will you be guys using any uh, of Mac Dog skills to make snowboard movies?" I, I am a Patreon member, by I, the way. I do believe uh, Mike got into that a little bit in the last one to where um plan is to kind of have a little kind of media division that he'll be heading up to kind of help push and promote the whole brand and the riders and 
utilize his skills. And huh? stories, whatever, you know, it's kind of like keep it fun, keep it interesting, provide content um, in all different ways. And Jeremy's already got a video part, you know? Guess he wasn't on a board, though. All right, I think it's time to get into hot takes, Woo! Stony Buds. Love this hot is, takes. Uh, we always do this one. And um, your name comes up in this category it does. quite a bit. But the MJ, Michael Jordan, and or maybe greatest of all time, to you, this is subjective, to you in snowboarding, uh, who do you have? Who's your MJ, goat, et cetera, both male and female? I had a conversation with Blue, uh, I think after his thing, um, where he actually called me out. I'm like, I'll take it, but I don't think, I mean, the way I see Michael Jordan, the MJ of snowboarding is, it's kind of the best for a long period of time in kind of all aspects of a sport. And I, I mean, easy as Terrier. Terrier wins bank slums, one half pipe every single one, one big air, one quarter pipe contest. I don't know if he's much of slope, but it w- it, he could have won plenty of slope contests, had video parts, still doing amazing now. Like, he just hands down has always been at the pinnacle, at the top, and then was the best guy for years. Um, and I think it's, it's an easy one as Terry, because covers all elements, backcountry, everything. So, like, for me, that's easy. Female? I think the female Michael Jordan is still co- to come. I think there's been really amazing snowboard, uh, women's snowboarding throughout the years. But the way I kind of see snowboarding now with the women is like they're getting better and better and taking like, say like um, Elena or something where she was in Olympics, half pipe. And now she's out there at the ultra natural, supernatural, natural selection contest, killing it there too. I don't think she won the whole overall, but won plenty of those. Like towards like there's elements of that to where I think easily there. Could be Zoe. Zoe's about to go on like a fifteen-year domination. Yeah. yeah, we might see some crazy stuff. There. It's exciting. Like I love women snowboarding. Like they're, they're they have their own style now. Like to where a while ago it's still kind of like men, and then it could be women's doing men's check. Now they're like they're going for it. Yeah, and killing it. Like Hana up there as well. The progression is yeah incredible to watch. Okay, next question: best style. I mean, that's a hard one. I, I mean, I, I think that's the answer that everyone kind of answers. Oh, it's a hard one. Um, and there, there's, you can like, I know Easton's going to say Mark Frank. I love Mark Frank's style. I think his style is almost too good to where it's, like, too clean. Too good. To where it's, like, too polished almost, to where, like, it's, like, if they're a little more grungier, I'd like them type of a thing. Like, it's a little sick style, but too polished Mark Frank. Too too good. <laughs> it's just too Sorry, good. Sorry, Marco. Sorry, Marco. Too good not for, for you. Line. Not for Peter. Um, Jamie, obviously. Um, you're legally, uh, you're legally uh, obligated to say that being yeah. born where you're from. Too. Yeah, that's, that's like a that's Northwest. Like you have to sign a contract when We're you come We're expected to hear that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the style where I kind of came from was like the roach type stuff to where it's a technical trick with a little element of style thrown in between it. So it's kind of how you do it. It's not about the trick only. It's about – I can see people riding. You see them take off to landing. You can see the, they're only trying just to land the trick. Like from the very beginning, their eyes to the to the landing is like they only want to get it around and touch the board, grab it. But there's other guy, people who's like they're in midair. They don't know where if they're landing switch or regular, but they're all about the style, the trick in the middle of it, and then they figure out the landing later. 
And I kind of feel that the trick needs to be thought out through the entire thing. It's not about just sticking it at the end and saying, I did that trick. It's about creating that trick and, and making it your own a lot of times as well. And so that's where I kind of see the style. I like, so it's like not necessarily always one person, not always Devin where it's so, so smooth. You never see a bad shot of Devin type of a thing where he's like wiggling all around. It's always pretty fucking on there, but you can always have this style too where you don't think the person's going to land and all of a sudden like squirrel it around. It could be a little slightly messy, but that little touch of messiness is what made that style amazing. That was an amazing answer. Very well thought out and articulated. Uh, most underrated. Who's who's underrated in your Chad Otterstrom. <laughs> God, I think that's Beautiful the right answer. answer. Beautiful answer. I know the answer to this one, but uh, maybe I don't. Streets or powder? powder? What do you got? Oh, powder. Yeah, obviously. I mean, you oh. can have powder in the streets, so. Favorite board graphic of all time? So many good ones. And I'm not doing mine. Well, I have so many that I made to choose from. <laughs> so well, many good ones, and they are all mine. <laughs> like, like putting myself in, like, okay, over here. Um, I think kind of Rankwood kind of had some really fun ones where he kind of thought out out of the the box or whatever. Um, those cassette tapes and the Rankwood Heineken beer. Yeah, the Heineken and the um, guitar. Kind of had some kind of fun. Where anything where you just you kind of put a little bit more of a clever cleverness to it. I'm not usually a fan of like art snowboard. That's a little more kind of subjective to be an artist. I think it needs to have a bit of design element to it, kind of appeasing. Coming from a board graphic designer, I kind of have different ways of what I how I think of of board graphics go to where like, I think it needs to have a, a bit of design to it to be appealing to meet, meet those parameters um, than just kind of throwing some art on a board. I'm not answering the question. Yeah, I you're talking about Louis Vito Dodge. You're taking us on a tour. You got to pick one board, though. You got to give, give us a name of graphics and what they're like and what they're about. Spring loaded Mike coming right are, at your. Are they art? Are they chart? I mean, what are they, Peter? What's the one? Did you see the sidebar? Did you see the back? We have the art department. And I put an SH in front of it. It's actually it's called the, the chart department. department. So you have to go check it out. It's pretty dope. Give some unsolicited advice. We should make, advice an, we should make an official. Yeah, the official chart. Maybe on there, we can give them business cards. Business cards. Business cards. We should really go all out with the shark department. Uh, is that a distraction for me? Uh, no, we still got to get. You still got to answer the question. Give the answer. I mean, we got, we, we got another five, three yeah, hours I mean, we, to give us an, an we answer. Can wait, here. we're not going anywhere. Yeah. Huh? I got. We'll, we'll circle back to that one. 119 hours yeah. of recording we're time left on this. Not going anywhere until we get an answer. We can circle back. We can ask you another one. Yeah, I, I got another. I'm going to sidebar this one. Sidebar. What's more important to you on a board? Like, do you do you value uh, graphically the top sheet or the base? Uh, base. I mean, as a as a pro, the yeah, top yeah. sheet. That's a pro see, thing, huh? That's that. I love as that a pro. Answer. You just basically stick with the top sheet. Usually, like, well, I'll get above my sponsors on here, so I can get paid or whatever. Back in the day, you couldn't put as much cool stuff on the base because uh, it was too expensive, you know. But now you can do like direct printing. You can do anything on the base. Yeah, you can do full digital. But prints. brands, they want just the branding. You know, it's all about. Capita bases, you know, you they generally Burton bases, you generally don't change much over the years. And that's like a trick to sell more. 
the thing, shops always do the top thing is, out. as a rider you think about when i think what about it looks designing like a board is what it looks like going through the air what it looks like fisheye going over the lens yeah, look at, and, and it's something that looks good from a hundred feet away in like a long shot where you're like what the hell is that or uptight this guy's throwing draplin i'm throwing some graphic design nolly at you this guy's getting draplin on us dead lung the flying nug he wasn't thinking of the top sheet yeah. yeah the base is all about advertising your sponsors um looks good from far away recognize what brand it is so, so you, you throw so them the a logo graphics, with no graphics so the forum graphics are the f in kind of the, the one third up from the bottom of the tail underneath the back binding you can see that from far away oh that's a forum board over there yeah type of a thing capita um has like the full bleed of capita um written mark in different ways legible even if it has like some sort of space element or some danger kittens or something going on danger kitten um but yeah i think pros are always like what's the base look like? yeah what's up in the that's base what it's gonna look like in the shot and like you have some wonky base that just looks dated or something like that your your trick's not gonna look as good true when, when you're 20 feet up, 30 feet up also, doing a method, it's got to look good. Totally. I, 100%. And I remember doing graphics, too, and looking at skateboards. And skateboards would have so many cool, like, it wasn't, it didn't say, like, always girl on there. Or, like, there would be, like, some weird, well, you know, rip-off. They're going to get scraped up. Yeah, they're all scraped up. But I just off. remember the graphics being, like, less serious, like, more lighthearted. No branding, More fun, too. more branding, more hand-drawn, where it, snowboarding just came from the space of the, the brand on the base. Um, yeah, I think it's just to sell a more expensive product. Yeah, skateboarding, they know it's just gonna get scraped away anyway. But yeah, so it, you it don't have a favorite of, board graphic. So still, yeah, oh, no, I do. I'm just drawing a blank right now. Right. I wish Johan graphic over there was on a board. Yeah, that, that would make a great That'd board. Awesome. Full body, you could go head to toe. Mm-hmm. Could be and a I pro should, model. I think with that one, it can come with stickers that are like tattoos or something. <laughs> You just like kind of put all these different stickers on them. This like guy, dude, brilliant designer. You're gonna send an invoice to uh, Capita for that one. It'd be great. Uh, all right, that's good stuff. All right, we got a couple more. Uh, Go to warm up step down trick. Like wh- you know, you're in the backcountry, you're showing up at a jump. What are you gonna land first try? This is some new new shit. Depends slightly on the angle of the takeoff. Um, Straight. It's like kind of toe or heel flat. Um. How steep's the landing? All right, here's a, a ca- cab forum step down. I guess you come in on your heels on that. So kind of two thousands, probably cab five was kind of the walk up big jump shot that could probably make the video. Um, cab five, and then from there, like how easy was that? Did I land it? How the how did it feel? What's next? But yeah, it's always if once you land something, move on to get a harder trick, get a harder trick, get a harder trick. Like one. If you go there with like one trick in mind, land it and walk away, you're not trying hard enough. If you go heli boarding with three people, just good times. You're ripping some powder runs. Who are you throwing in the heli? Again, I'd like to clarify this is anybody in the world. It doesn't have to be in the snowboard industry. It's you two guys and Eddie Wall. Oh, Woo! let's go. That'd be a fun heli. Let's get any any heli ops that got budget, get at us. Yes. We'll make this happen. Yeah. Get us in. All right. Uh, yeah, heli's fun. Like, just lap some power with your brakes. Some good times. Okay, uh, what do you think about the the beaver slap when you're going through the lift line and you got to, you know, you're going through, you give it a whack or you you just kind of keep it low key? Beaver slap? Isn't that what the beaver slap You kind of like, you know when you're, you're going through the lift line, you're about to get on the trail, if you have some snow, you kind of smack that's, your board. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, and sometimes you do it really loud to well, kind of 
establish alpha male dominance in the lift line? No, like I don't, because the lift operators don't like it they necessarily. Don't. They but, don't like it. But if it's one of those lifts that doesn't have enough snow there, you kind of sometimes scoop it up because you see them kind of shoveling snow, so you can scoop it up and then help them help their job a little bit by dumping it off there, lightly tapping it down. But if you're stomping it down, it's actually making their job harder. Mm-hmm. So you run a light beaver You run the help me help one. you scenario. <laughs> it's a respectful beaver slap. 100%. Okay, worst, tr- worst trend. What do you got? It's, yeah, it's usually just kind of like tap yeah. the toe edge to get it off instead of like... It's like, here you go, guys. More of a toe tapper than a yeah. slapper. like it. Um, worst trend. What do you got? Anything that actually makes your riding worse. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as far as like style or like clothing style, fashion... Um, little gimmicky things here and there. If it doesn't ruin your ruin your riding, besides maybe just the visual look of it, um, whatever. But if it's actually something like your stance is twenty eight wide, just because you want to have the widest stance or whatever, and it's actually hurting your abilities to ride, or riding some like pow board. If you're do- doing some freestyle stuff, it's like well, you can't land switches easy. I don't know. That's you ever seen of part you of ever the seen Zebulon out there? In that big I mean, it's a little bit like that to where like. <laughs> It's a little showboaty mm. with this. I mean, it's commend him. Like, holy shit, that's fucking crazy. They can do that on such a gnarly board. But at the same time, it's like, you can do that on a small board too. And the whole point of you doing it on a big board is because you're riding this big, weird board. It's kind of a little, kind of not my favorite, my style. Yeah, it's <laughs> not things. your style. Um, so I think when it becomes in that. Yeah, that too, and also how some tricks can look more like stunts instead of actual tricks to where it's like more for the crowd, which, okay, I take that back a little bit. It's for the crowd too, but it's also just for the crowd. I don't know. I got got kind of in there and like sometimes it's where it kind of starts making it look more like a, I want to have respect and not just we're out there clowns entertaining people. Yeah. I and thought so you were going to say something. Kinda, like, it kind of goes back to the to the first ever Olympics is where like a lot of like, I'm not sure snowboarding is ready for the Olympics. Because mm. I think there's a viewer on what was going on. The Olympics is like, why is this in the Olympics? And that's just kind of downgrades the importance of and the feeling and what the whole thing is. like. And I knew snowboarding would get good enough to be in the Olympics. Um, but I think kind of the first ones didn't really look all that great. Now it's like, holy shit. Like it's the, it's the best part of the Olympics, you know, I mean, it's a lot of amazing shit, but it's up there with like, holy shit, what are they doing over there in snowboarding? Um, so I think it's established. It's kind of one of the big reasons why I didn't like it in the Olympics because it didn't look good enough yet for how hard or how cool or how fun it was. And now look at it. Woo! I thought your worst trend was going to be uh, resi tip beanies. Everyone from the Northwest. I mean, you can go into... Um, Visor beanies with that one too. Visor beanies. That those was a forum. That was a forum though. staple. Those you guys should almost re-drop those. Yeah. Oh, I know. We've heard that. I bet. We I think We haven't said no yet. Dude, I think the market's <laughs> ready. I mean, I guess let's not tell the other brands. I don't know yet. Let's see. Oh, oh. I'm not, I'm not going to be the one bringing back. Even though well, I, you well, what about, you don't even have though to I did wear them. I did wear them. Hey, you, you wore them. If we're yeah. going to go OG forum, well, let's just break it down. You, you got to go cut off sleeve shirt. Woo. Like, or is that coming back? Uh, in the, the, that picture you guys have, yeah. the, the print cut off sleeve shirt. Oh, but you're think, wearing one. I think that was the only time I ever wore one, though. Yeah, <laughs> you were, you were just you were <laughs> that you were going. I'm going on brand forum. I'm these, cutting yeah. sleeves These things off. don't look too good. <laughs> <laughs> All white. 
You go cut off <laughs> sleeves. You sell forum cut off sleeves. You go oh, visor man. beanie, and uh, I'm I'm adding the cart as yeah, you yes, as you mentioned exactly. these things. I'm just adding the cart. Mm-hmm. Well, like holes in the knees of snowwear pants. Is that a thing? We can make it a thing. <laughs> I like that. I don't know if and I then like all the snow time? goes down. Just kind of hits, your, the springtime, hits your gator and just like you just get this big lump of snow <laughs> like in the bottom of your pants. It balloons out, dude. Yeah, Love it'll it. help you go bigger on the hip. A little more weight. A little more uh, lower center of gravity too. Yeah, you just land. Oh, everything. true. Visor beanies, though, I mean, those are like, they have a, they get sun out of your eyes. They have a purpose. I have an idea, but I, I, mean, I don't want to give away secrets. <laughs> don't right give now. it away. <laughs> In tech diff. I mean, it's basically, it's like you don't bring back the exact same thing, but you uh, use the influence. Well, you got to make it better. Yeah. That's what Peter Line's all about. Yeah, it's not about just Visor beanie. copying what was already. Like, how can we make it better? And then improving upon it. How can we improve? Visor beanie, pop the top. That's Nate Bozong's. Um, you're right. Visor like, headband. Oh, yeah, you're right. Visor they have headband. Visor headbands. They do. Okay, shit. thought I was on to something. Okay, we'll get, total we'll sidebar. We'll total there. random uh, tech diff. side sidebar? Tech, bar, tech diff. You got the bloody face at the beginning. What's the story behind that? Oh, it's in the it's in the video. It's in the crash it's section. The cra- it's in the crash section. Yeah, backside rodeo on the um, backside wall hip. Um, but it's kind of coming down to a cat track, so it, and so it wasn't quite on it and hit the cat track and knee. Knee the face, so that's Ooh. that was a concussion. Also, um, I think all all but a couple of my concussions were knee the face. So that one, I don't think I broke my nose on that. I don't know. I maybe I did. I felt like I did all the blood. Notable possible inventor of the coffin slide too. Can you take credit for that? That's from skateboarding though. Yeah, so snowboard coffin slide. Eighty like nine or seventy skateboarding. I also noticed you are not uh, having beers or drinking. What's what's going on with that? Um, yep, sober three and a half years, just about. Wow! Congrats, impressive. Dude. Thank you. Um, not super difficult, let's say. It wasn't. Not super, for me. No. I think. I mean, it, I think drinking is different for everybody. Um, some people might have a little bit more harder time. Um, I definitely. Drank a lot when I drank, like every night type of a thing, um, to where like it wasn't necessarily one issue that made me quit either. It's just tons of different things here and there that all kind of just culminated into like this needs to stop. Mostly like a lot of shit that I still wanted to do in life that I felt that drinking was kind of hindering it. Every morning, I wake up hungover, having that have that as an excuse not to do anything couple other things i'd say that movie won't get far on foot was actually pretty inspiring kind of opening an eye of certain things not the only reason by any means but as joaquin phoenix and uh jonah hill movie it's pretty funny actually dude uh joaquin what an actor yeah i mean that's basically just an easy one of just saying that anything when you have drinking and alcohol involved just makes it that much more dangerous and more likely bad shit's gonna fucking happen were you like putting down lucky. a lot of beers every night like when you say you drank every night or liquor whatever you were drinking yeah i mean like six pack just to go to sleep just to now sleep it's just a normal normal whatever that i mean that's not so that's the that's a but mellow then, night but that's then just going night. out then it's be like yeah until drink until the night's over all right, qu- well, question because there's people that are always it's on fun the- granted yeah but those hangovers hurt i I did it. I won, I think. <laughs> walked away. You were always fun to party with, I'll unscathed. tell you that. You weren't really Basically. a bad partier either, you know? You I were, just, yeah, just retiring. I, I, I hope party. not. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot. Like, one of the other things is just embarrassing sometimes. And 
needing to do it sometimes to feel part of it. I think it was really good for me just kind of socialize and stuff in different ways. So you were like kind a, of a shy kid. And a person I could depend on walking into a bar to have a good conversation with. You'd be sitting in the corner, have some drinks, and yeah. Yeah. You're not a bad You can still do that without having beer, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was very conscious about it, too. Like, where I'd never fucking, like, I would never drive at nighttime because I knew I'd have drinks, and so I'd never drive at nighttime before or after drinking. It's like, okay, I'm going to go out tonight. Well, I'm not driving my car anywhere because I know I'm going to have some drinks and not even getting that risk. So I was very conscious about the safety of it and going too far with it or, or like, okay, I can't drink whiskey because that thing blocks me out and that just comes on too quickly and too fast and too easy. So I don't really drink whiskey <laughs> when I go out. <laughs> like So I took aim at it, knowing it was already an issue years and years of drinking, just, you know, just kind of thoughtfully as possible. And then at the end, just became one rule. It's like, you don't drink anymore. And that was it. Like, and it wasn't a problem, huh? I mean, there's a little bit of fight in there, of course, but it's basically just if you have one rule, don't drink you're not a drinker anymore. And so it's kind of the same. It's, I mean, it's, it's worked for me for others. It might not. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just like, okay, it's the same thing as like, if you don't eat spinach, he's like, I don't eat spinach. So when you see a menu that has all the spinach stuff on it, get, I don't like spinach. I'm going to get the yeah. burger or whatever. And so like, I don't drink. That's that. Like it just becomes a rule. I don't drink. Um, do you find yourself still going out to bars or do you just not even go out? It's not, well, I don't go to bars. Um, that, as much anymore because it's not, I mean, that was kind of the purpose for going to a yeah. bar <laughs> for me. Um, it doesn't bother me going to, I can go to a bar sober. It's no big deal. Nice. Um, but there, there was a mission to go out and the mission was to go drink and then socializing was part of it too and all that stuff. So there's a mission to go out all the time and that was it. Now I don't go out as much, but I, it's, Slap some respect yeah. on that. Slap Dude, three and a half respect. years, too. Yeah. That's that's awesome. So when we had Dogger on, he mentioned that you had pretty much an injury-free career, if I remember correctly. I think he did say that. Something along those lines. But that's not true. You got broke off. What are the injuries that plagued you? Um, I think he's kind of correct in that my kind of first good while. Um, I got lucky and didn't really have any serious injuries. Um, before knee injury in 2000, um, was this kind of few separated shoulder here and there, broken finger or something like that. But then kind of quickly caught up to me after doing my knee. Then I broke, I chipped my elbow like the first or second day back. Um, and then form, uh, former against him, broke my foot on that big um, back three, 270. Mm-hmm. Um Broke that, actually, on one of my first tries hitting it. Rode with a broken foot another, I don't even know, 12 tries to get that trick. That was that trick took me a long time. Uh, finally got it. So I actually had a broken foot on that one. And then um, during, I think it was a trans world shoot or something, broke my back in six spots. And so that one was one of those kind of scary ones in hindsight where it was on a quarter pipe. Went up to like a backside disaster that was kind of being a piece of wood or a log that was being held up by a cat. So it's kind of just testing this thing out, 
working myself up to it and then kind of erased it and I went a little bit too fast, got up and kind of stalled up on top of it. And so I'm kind of stalling on this log that's eight feet above the lip of the pipe, of the quarter pipe, and the quarter pipe's another 10 feet down. And so one side's all the cat machinery and the other side just kind of trying to pop back in. So I kind of try, try to pop back in fakie, caught my heel edge on the log, came in backwards and try to squirrel myself around, but with having no kind of momentum besides just the drop, you can't really get your shit around. Landed on my head um, from that one. Fortunately, I was wearing a helmet, but unfortunately, I think what my kind of doctor said too, I already had a bad posture. And so with my bad posture kind of like this, the weak spot was in my back and that's where I broke instead of it kind of all coming down on my neck if I kind of landed a little more straight up. So that was kind of one where I was like, fuck, I could have been paralyzed or dead right now afterwards type of a thing. Um, that one, yeah, that was, fortunately didn't have to like wear a brace or anything. And then it seems like all my big injuries kind of came after my career and then kind of last, uh, it was a few years ago, shattered my elbow up at bald face, hitting a rock. And so that's this one where my arm only goes so far now. Um, scars not as fucking bad as I thought. What kind of pain levels on that? This one's shattering sucked. it. This one sucked. Um, when it happened, not so bad necessarily. It's more kind of just getting into shock um, at that point. Um, but the recovery was just brutal, and I hate meds, like especially kind of your opiate meds. Um, take them until I started kind of feeling a little wonky or whatever, and try and quit those off as fast as possible. But, like, that pain just never went away for months and months. Tore it because, like, I wonder if it would hurt less if I actually amputated my arm at the elbow. That's what you were t- like, saying to yourself? I mean, it was completely shattered. Like, there's, like, hundreds of shards. And so, right, right now, it's 16 screws, eight wires, and, like, two pins or something like that. Or somewhere around there. You were ready to amputate. It was a consideration. Like, it was, like, just not healing <laughs> i mean granted i probably was drinking too it probably didn't help but um you just going to the doctor it just was just what are the options can we cut this thing off or what yeah it's like is that would that make it heal faster <laughs> something I mean, it was cut just it cauterize it let's annoying. go but unfortunately now i have an arm um because that was also another concern too is doing all the finger stuff because it's so, so shattered they don't know what's cutting my nerves and what's cutting any arteries or anything in there until they got in there for surgery um so yeah like most most of my injuries came towards the tail end or, or after my career i actually heard that Easton was thinking about removing amputating his third leg actually oh funny <laughs> no comment <laughs> All right, Peter. All right, so we got a little bit left here. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, you still haven't given us board graphic. You got an answer for that? You're going to Louis veto us. Uh, is that Louis? No. Louis up there dancing with the stars. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that's Louis. Louis rest- used to ride for Forum. Oh, he did. He was a young, young blood. Young right? blood. Yeah. Um, You're just not going to give us a graphic? I mean, you don't have to. I mean. I mean, all the ones I'm thinking of, like, oh, I like it, but. Do I love well, you got to pick one. Just pick. One. I have to. You yeah. don't have to. Legally, you have to. Legally, you're legally obligated. Ob- obligated. Well, at my house, I have an old Burton um, Led Zeppelin graphic on my wall. 
right. There you go. We can take that. I mean, that's kind of that's 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 Led Zeppelin. Yeah. So it's a little different. You know, I do, I do like the. I mean, you brought up the ride boards that were kind of uh, Warner Brothers knockoff of um, Rudy from the Fat Albert Gang. Um, a Russell Winfield graphic. Yep, and then um, even like Jason Ford's and all those ones with the Warner Brother characters and doing adult shit or whatever. Those are all. Those are pretty classic. Those are those are snowboarding at its core. I think that style of. That's fair. I have a little sidebar total derailer here. Uh, you mentioned the Led Zeppelin graphic. Um, I was talking to um, Jeremy Jones about classic rock. He's not a classic rock fan. Uh, Jeremy and Jones is it? He does not. And I'm like, are, you don't like classic rock? You don't like Led Zeppelin is the reference. The first band that I'm like, how can you not like Led Zeppelin? And he's like, I don't like Led Zeppelin. There's a lot of people who don't like Led Zeppelin. How is that? I mean, we got, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> That's what's up, dude. I mean, the drumming, it's just insane. I mean, classic rock, too. Fleetwood Mac. You got Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Jones did do some Backstreet Boys dancing back in the day. That's true. Oof. Oh, we're we're doing shots fired. or something, so uh, sorry, Jer, but. I mean, Queens of the Stone Age, are they, because he rode to them. They're not, that's not classic rock. That's kind of stoner rock, huh? Yeah. Jolene, Jolene's classic yeah, rock. That's classic rock. Jolene, Dolly Jolene, Parton. Dolly Parton is classic rock. So she's actually country. She's a national hero. She's actually. I have, I have a painting of Dolly Parton in my house. She's I, country, and she is not classic rock. Really? Mm-hmm. She's country. She might have written a bunch of classic rock. She's written thousand songs, I think. She's country star. For other people, she wrote Madonna songs. Really? All right, Peter. Let's talk about your setup here. She, what are you? She, what are you she, riding? She helped fund Moderna's COVID. Really? She's a hero. Dude, she's Dollywood. Awesome. She's her own. She's her own theme park. Dude, she's awesome. She is awesome. Bomb hole trip to Dollywood sounds pretty fun. Let's go. <laughs> uh, set up. So, what board are you riding? And do you do anything special tuning it? Stance. Like, what's stance your board? Width, stamps. Angles. I am probably riding right now the one fifty four free ride from Forum uh, Union Bindings. Uh, the Force. Good choice. Um, boots. I have an old pair of Vans from years ago that are still awesome. I asked for the most softest boot they have, um, so there's no breaking in period. And the first run was just like, oh, these, these are awesome. So I have to say, I, I do like those Vans boots, and they're still not even falling apart yet. What about outerwear? Let's do the whole the gamut. So outerwear, I still riding um, the kind stuff that I designed with them. Um, for forum, we are going to have some apparel and accessories um, coming out. So kind of have a, a riding jacket, a kind of casual performance riding jacket that I'll probably be rocking next year. No sleeves, I'm guessing, right? Um, the s- sleeves are removable with a s- with a scissor, scissor or scissors. Oh wow. Yep, um, you have to probably stitch it back on or duct tape. If you want them back on. Be a little less waterproof. What about buttons? Um, Removable, just button sleeves. <laughs> they take, oh. you, take you so long to get the damn sleeve back on that I thing. I even just like buttons in no, general. How do like, you feel about buttons, Peter? Well, there's buttons and snaps. <laughs> I'm thinking straight <laughs> buttons on the sleeves for removable <laughs> sleeves. Lost my mind over here. <laughs> 
Well, if, I mean, you're, I'm just you're thinking to, that, and so I'm already thinking, like, okay, yeah, how you can, can we you can change actually this have to get better, you know? The, but, the little button section right here, too, so when you take it off, you put it right here as kind of pockets. Oh, yes. These big, long two pockets. Elephant nose pockets. Yeah, so it's, like, multi-purpose. Dude. So, so you're not the... Use these sleeves for Put something. your beverages in there. I mean, old camera lenses. I mean, it's a, it's a photos. Set, yeah, it's essentially one of those can packs. That they, they yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. So it's just it's a one sleeve. of those can yep. packs. Cinch the, bo- the, Cinch the bottom, fill it up. Little fun fact, my buddy Granger once puked in his sleeve. So <laughs> he told if, me that. If you need a barf bag, you have one right there. <laughs> Perfect uh, double threat. <laughs> double Well, you I have did, two. I, one's yeah, a barf my, bag. One's my go-to is open the jacket, puke inside the jacket. Oh, and then oh yes. Yeah, so that's and an then option. you just hold it right, right that, here. That's a good one. You guys should maybe advertise that, that with the forum yeah. the forum uh, apparel. It'd be Love good advertising. It. Yeah. has an inside vomit pocket. <laughs> it's waterproof. I would actually love to see a commercial for that. If you could make that happen, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, yeah, it's not too difficult. Just have a little bit of... Uh, Waterproof material on the inside. Yes, not too tape, difficult. Tape the seams on the inside. Kind of want to go tape seams. And just make it, you know, stomach capacity. It would be sick, though, if it was a normal-sized pocket. When you fill it up, it whoosh, like gets bigger, it expands. Or if it had, like, little air vents, so it's just all... Yeah. Oh, squirts it out high-powered. Like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, fun you do anything yeah. fun with your board? Like, uh, you detune the edges at all? Um, I've... In, I'm pretty lazy about my setup. Always have been. Um, I never go back and tighten anything. Um, right now, my board is one of those screws fell out, and I had a wicket just to put the strap back on. It's been like that all winter long. I never went back to fix it. Nice. And every time I go out and fix it, I, even like the when we we're testing now at Mount Hood, the new prototype boards, I mounted my bindings backwards. Or like the one the strap, wrong foot? The, the strap backwards. Yeah. The strap's going the opposite direction, and I got, fuck it. It's working. Good so enough. he's not the guy to ask for, like, tech uh, advice. tech setup. Yeah, I, I think wax is wax is a good thing, though. Even though I always forget to wax. But it's good. But it's if you don't wax, sometimes it could just ruin your day. Wax. On that weird kind of sticky snow, and you have a kind of a shitty base that's kind of hairy, and you just get these big clumps of snow, and you're, like, just Dude, stuck. I hate that. So what's next for Peter Line? Um, right now, like it's kind of exciting to get this whole forum thing and actually to go out in the hill again. Like that, I'm really looking forward to that. Just kind of getting out and riding with the kids, um, being part of their excitement with this as well, and seeing where they're gonna take it. Um, get to the gym, of course. Super excited about that. <laughs> a lot of lifting. Really looking forward. to A lot to of weightlifting. A lot of lifting. I got a really corny question to kind of tie things up at the end here. Um, for the young kid that wants to be the next Peter Line, what advice you got for that kid? Who am I, though? Who's the next me? Who is Peter Line? <laughs> start this whole damn <laughs> podcast all over again. Let's start from the top. First question, who is Peter Line? <laughs> well, I think, I mean, kind of the big takeaway from this is kind of the creative view of where the future of this sport is going to go and what that looks like and to be able to vision that so like 2022-23 season like where do you, you see this kind of vision of snowboarding in the future and can you make that happen are you going to be the one to kind of create that or are you going to be the one just kind of copying what the kids are doing right now wow that's some 
Genius. Knowledge. Genius. It's dropping knowledge. J-E-E-N. Yes, spelled J-E-E-N-Y-U-S. Logan, you not, still Not the Kanye it. genius. Not the Kanye. We're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about Autumn Headwear. Now, I'm currently wearing the Autumn Bombhole Collaboration Beanie. This thing kicks ass because it's designed by their founder, Brad Allband. He's one of the best designers in the industry. And his whole shtick, their whole shtick, is that style and creativity matter. You see that in the fits. You see that in the design. You see that in the team of who they select to be on their team. They got Jill Perkins. They got Sam Tax with Danimals. All stylish characters. And their whole shtick is that they want beanies to have specific fits. So if you want to go sky high resi, they got a fit for you. If you want to go Sailor Jim rolled up above the ears, they got a fit for you. So again, beanies are a strong form of expression and style matters. So if you're thinking about picking up a great beanie, head on over to autumnheadwear.com. We got a little promo code for you. Use promo code BOMBHOLE for 20% off and get that dome piece looking right. Again, BOMBHOLE, 20% off, autumnheadwear.com. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about the style experience, buds. Canada Snowboard is revolutionizing the big air game with their newest event, the style experience, with an integrated style contest component that is the perfect combination of progressive and timeless tricks, Chris. Yep, that one is going to keep the revs high, buds. Watch the best snowboarders in the world, Chuck Carcass. At the largest big air contest Canada has ever seen in the winter stronghold of Edmonton, Alberta. It's going down in the Commonwealth Stadium, boasting VIP suite options, private bars, heated tents, a vendor village, and more. Fire this one up on the evening of December 10th, Canada. The style experience is made possible through the partnership between Canada Snowboard and Explore Edmonton presented by Toyota. Get on your most stylish winter gear and secure a spot at the winter event of the year on Ticketmaster. All right, we're going to pick it back up here. Is this, this going to be my new addiction now? Yeah, this oh. is now that you quit booze and you can, can, get, you can get addicted. Yeah, yeah. Run, run through a wall smelling salts. We, this, is uh, our, this is our company. It's available at bombhole.com. Uh, basically, you just squeeze it and you kind of work your way up. Just It's almost like smelling a, like a bottle of liquor that's really potent and you're like oh it's just kind of like that vibe do they use for boxers or something yes don't go too deep squeeze it after you squeeze it, it smell it send it his way we'll send it around the horn go a little closer a little more aggressive. get a little more get closer get in there don't be scared of it don't be scared of it <laughs> <Don't> be- <laughs> this guy's i can't tell if he likes it or he doesn't like it oh i i, I ease into it like a like a hip yeah it's like, like a hip. <laughs> it's like a hip yeah See, it's already losing its flavor now. Send it around. But no, I got I to gotta do full send. Yeah. We'll let him have this one. His eyes are watering. He, he, he got it. We'll give homie a little one. No. That one doesn't have the juice. Uh, yeah, that reminds me of my... Of any sort of drowning episode I had in a pool at one time. <laughs> there it is again. It's like chlor- chlorine is going up your nose. Yeah, basically. <sighs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna bring this thing home strong. This podcast. So, Peter, those are uh, what's called run through wall smelling salts. Available at bombhole.com. 
They're the new. It's the new Red Bull. You're drinking Red Bull. This is kind of like the the future. You know, tricks. The inhalant version. You're hearing about tricks, like thinking about 2022. You got to be thinking 2030. Well, we're thinking 2030 with yeah, the we're in 2040. Salts. 2040. Yeah, it was all about just different drugs to make you snowboard better. Yes, mm-hmm. we're thinking about trying caffeine, to, taurines, salts. We would like to launch a steroid line if we can get FDA approval. Um, but we're we're trying to work around the red tape there. Yeah, FDA. We have people. FDA is a tough one. Yeah. Real tough one. Okay. Uh, thank yous. You got any, you don't throw any thank yous. Oh. Ooh. Thank yous. Um, I thank all the kids I grew up riding with who helped inspire me. Um, John Bowen, Joey McGuire, um, Jeff Dill, Zeth, uh, Brett Altmeyer. Um, Heidi Nymark, and going to Greg DeLeo, Terry Parker, um, everyone from Foursquare Raw, the whole crew over there is too many to, to name. Yeah, it's mostly just too many to name. Mac Dog, Kurt Heine, of course. Um, I, it's, there's so many, and I've, I've hoped I've thanked you guys or at least called you out during these interviews but yeah you're appreciated and even though i don't might talk to you in a long time still really appreciate it. we're still bros well said uh okay peter Love it. well i want to say thank you yeah. to you thank for you coming on the show and your contribution and inspiration to snowboarding in our community huge thanks for that and um yeah with that being said i think i'm gonna yeah. take take i a mean I also have to just thank snowboarding. Like it's given me so much, um, learned so much through it. And even before kind of getting into it, I knew it was kind of going in the creative world, but like having the chance to see the creative world through the eyes of snowboarding and through the other creative people involved in the industry has taught me so much. And if I can give back what it has given me, I mean, that's all I hope for. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Peter, thanks again for coming on. Uh, can't express enough everything that you've done for the sport. And uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I also want to say thank you to everybody that tunes in, listens, uh, you know, subscribes to our stuff, buys merch. Again, um, you know, forums coming back. So be on the lookout for that, right? Yeah. Forumsnow.com. Go check it out. Um Cool apparel, boards, soft goods. I designed all the uh, apparel and accessories, so it's quality there. And it's one of my favorite jackets, three-layer jacket coming out. Hope you guys check it out. Killer. All right. Well, we got another episode coming at you guys next Wednesday. Thank you guys again, and over and out from the bomb hole. Later.